This episode of The Sleeper and the Bus is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 19, the best baseball strategy game ever made. Available now on PC, Mac, and Linux platforms. It's officially licensed by MLB and the MLBPA, allowing you to take any team from any era, from any level, and run it the way you want with unprecedented depth, control, and authenticity. New features for this year include dramatic 3D ballpark and player improvements, an all-new tournament mode, allowing for infinite combinations, all new scouting systems, significant AI adjustments based on the latest trends, and so much more. Even better, if you order now through the Sleeper in the Bus podcast, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTP Developments and clicking on the order banner. Just enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout. Once again, just go to OOTPDevelopments.com, click on the order banner, then enter the code SLEEPER19 at checkout for a special discount that helps support the Sleeper in the Bust. Thanks. Welcome to episode 528 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Thursday, March 1st. I'm your host, Paul Sport, joined by Justin Mason. Justin, it's March. It's We're March. So freaking close. It's Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational Day. It sure is. I've already made two picks. I'm feeling good. I was picking 14, and wouldn't you know, I got Max Scherzer and Chris Bryant. Well, the other way around, I went Chris Bryant, Max Scherzer to make it look like I got Scherzer in the second round. <laughs> so, oh, wait, I had the 15th pick, obviously, because I picked twice in a row. Um, so, yeah. I have been very, very pleased to get last pick uh, in 15-team drafts. I had no issue with that. And when I saw what was awaiting me, I felt even better. Like I had plenty of options that I was happy with. I ended up going with a, a former MVP and a, and a Cy Young winner. Not that that's what I draft my guys off of. It, have they won an award? <laughs> but uh, I, was, I was surprised. I really didn't expect to see Max there. I really thought I'd be getting one of the AL pitchers. Kluber sale, um, and then Bryant, not not terribly surprising, and I think that really speaks to the depth of the first round is that Chris Bryant is regularly available in that uh, twelve to fifteen range. So if you you know if you're an NFBC and you do your KDS, your Kentucky Derby style, where you pick what you want and and you you don't like fifteen and you kind of get stuck with it, do not fret. There's good stuff to go around there. Um, I know you were picking second, so you went ahead and uh, and and took uh, Andrew McCutcheon because he's on your your Giants, right? Well, no, I I, went, I definitely went with Longoria. Oh, yeah. see, and you had said that you might, but I mm-hmm. thought that after you and I had talked that you decided on on McCutcheon, so you switched last second. Okay. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I the draft started at five o'clock in the morning my time, and I was like, I'm I'm not waking up for this, so I, I just hit the auto uh, auto draft button. Go wrong. When yeah, you, when you pick. You picked two. I was like, I'm going to get Trout or Altuve. Ended up with Altuve. It's like my eighth share of Jose Altuve. So I apologize when he like breaks his leg like halfway through the first game. <laughs> that's that's the right guy to be like heavily invested in, though. Yeah. It's, a, it, it's a rare fantasy season when you can be heavily invested in one of the top four or five guys, let alone the number two guy. And 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 the only other guy, in my opinion, who has a real stake uh, to be made for number one. Uh, over trout like I, I i won't crush somebody that does that i won't do it personally but i but i see it and i understand it do you feel the same way or are you automatically trout one i think it just depends on on your format and your your depth of league i think you can make an argument that i, I know a lot of people are making the argument that outfield is shallower than uh than second base 
I don't necessarily agree with that. I think all the positions have huge drop-offs in spots. Um, and so I, I, I think I still go with Trout, but Altuve has out-earned Trout in three of the last four seasons. And that mm-hmm. one season he didn't, they were tied. Oh, wow. Yeah. So again, that's why I think he's just he's got the case there. But I'm with you. Here's the thing. I always think outfield is, is more shallow than it gets credit for. And I, I definitely think it's because it's not properly assessed because we need four or uh, we need five or um, three or five, depending on the league setup. And that's just for the outfield, let alone outfield eligibles that go in other spots, let alone, you know, maybe utility. So I, I always think people look, they see the amount of stars and they just say, well, outfield's deep. And it's like, well, you're not going to get many of those. Like everyone's going to be drafting outfielders. So I just think every year it's the same thing. It's declared deep and it's it's either fine or shallow. I rarely think outfield is truly super deep, especially if you're not going to attack it uh, early and often. But So you're waiting on your second pick. We'll see how, how long that takes. Um, and we'll be updating next week. Mm-hmm. I, I, mean, I don't know that we'll be done in a week on these drafts. And how many uh, leagues are there altogether? It's a great fantasy th- baseball invitational. Yeah, there are 13 leagues. You can follow it on Twitter at TGB. TGFBI. So, and yeah, 13 leagues, 195 participants. Holy crap. Why did you undertake that? You're insane, and I love it. I am already following. Look at that. I'm a good person. Yes. By the way, I've told you already. I'll tell you on air. The logo is amazing. Whoever made that, you said you you had somebody make that. Mm -hmm. It's so clean. I absolutely love it. It looks fantastic. Yeah, his name's uh, Jory, I think Jory something, Jory Deving. Um, he does a lot of fantasy-related logos for people. Uh, fantastic dude. He did like the Prospects 361 uh, logo, um, a bunch of logos for fan tracks and, and the shows they've got over there and stuff like that. Really good does dude. He, does he have a Twitter? Let's see if, if he has a Twitter. We he, can, we can put, does. put it in the show notes. Um, I'll, I'll have to I'll, find I'll it. bug you for it after the show, and then uh, and then we'll put it in the notes there. If you need a logo for your league or for your uh, for, for your for your own team within your league, I think we got to get we'll go ahead and have him start commissioning some things. Don't be asking him for free, folks. Throw him a little something. He does uh, he does it does it at a really nice price too. I mean, it's it, not like it's he's going to charge amazing. you like two hundred bucks for a logo. Yeah, I mean these guys that do it. There's guys that do it for MLB the show too. They'll make your logo, and they're not they're not out here trying to rob folks. They're just trying to get paid for their work. Uh, all right, let's move on and talk some news. We got a little bit of news here. Nothing earth shifting, but definitely some some talkable news. And then we're going to dive into the corner infield. We're going to talk about first base and third base by tier, uh, doing the ADP breakdowns that we've been doing with some of the other positions. But let's first start, and we're doing corner because uh, we actually have some corner news. And it started with Logan Morrison going out to Minnesota, which I thought was a pretty good move. Uh, I'm no I'm no Logan Morrison fan. I think anybody that's listening to the show knows that. <laughs> I just don't like his stupid face. And that's coming from somebody with a stupid face. So I understand that I'm sure uh, people feel the same way about me as I do about Lomo. But, uh, you know, it's just – and he, he was early on Twitter. If you're new on Twitter, you might have missed the, the Logan Morrison on Twitter. And it started off good and it got bad really quickly. And I think that's why he's not on Twitter anymore. But anyway, that's uh, all irrelevant. Let's talk about him going out to Minnesota. It's a solid move by the Twins. Uh, I think he's going to be the primary DH. Uh, I mean, he can give, he can spell 
Maurer at first a little bit. I think they can kind of change. If Maurer's upright and healthy, I think he's their better bet at first. He's a pretty good defender. But if he needs to get off his legs for some, for some time, then those two can kind of interchange. And then um, does Logan Morrison play outfield anymore? Did he play uh, any no, outfield? No way. Okay. I, I, I can't imagine that. I, he... I would think not, but I just was wondering because I didn't pay that close of attention. Because believe it or not, I actually didn't roster him anywhere last year. During uh, his, 124 uh, games at... Uh, at first base, seventeen games at DH. Okay, so he, you know he's a DH, but he had a huge season last year. Thirty-eight homers, um, actually more than he had in the last two years combined. You know he really took a took hold of the the home run the home run ball this past season. Eighty-five ribbies. That's part of being t- on Tampa Bay. Two forty-six average, but a three fifty-three OBP. So you like him in OBP a little bit better. Going to a better lineup though. So if he does something similar, even if you kind of regress the power a little bit. Bring the uh, OPS from 868, you know, bring it down. I don't know, even even 58, po- even 50 points, and just say it's an it's an eight uh, eight eighteen or something like that. I think you could still get better context numbers if it was 30 homers and an 818 OPS. I think you could reasonably suggest that maybe the runs and RBIs would actually be better because they'll be in the middle of a much better lineup in in Minnesota. What do you think of Logan Morrison as a twin? You know, I mean, I, I don't mind him as a person. I, I, I'm I'm used to douchey people being around me, so like <laughs> I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I, I mean, I I just don't know how many games we're gonna see out of him. I mean, he's a guy who's really really struggled in the past with injuries. He has played in over 145 games in two of the last three years, so that is uh, that that's a good sign. He just, I mean, he just totally bought into the this uh, fly ball revolution. Uh, you know, As he should. Increased I mean, his like fly that. ball percentage by like 12 percentage points last year. Hit fly balls 46.2 uh, percent. So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at his uh, his exit velocities and his launch angles. It looks like he made some gains there. So I, I think as long as he's healthy, I think he can be a pretty reliable corner infield kind of bat. I just don't know in like a like in AL only, I'm staying away. Because for me, at bats is currency in those kind of links. Okay, that's fair because sometimes I feel like those guys are better in AL only leagues because you're like I don't really want to put him in my on my team in mixed league, but I I get your point because he is such a risk health wise or at least has been. There's just nothing uh, on the wire when he goes down. That and that's the problem, and you're already kind of scant there Mm -hmm. you know it's one thing if you invest heavy and you lose your uh you lose your jose abrey or whatever that still sucks obviously but it's it's an it's almost weird it's weird right it's almost worse if you do a if you have a logan morris and you lose him yes the 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 drop down on the wire isn't as as bad but you're also more likely to lose him so it's almost Mm -hmm. like you're already planning to get into the does that make sense i know it sounds insane to say that um because obviously losing jose abrey but at that point if you lose like your jose abrey you're like well i'm screwed so (laughs) but with your logan morrison you're 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 kind of not but you're also like again you're planning to have to get onto the waiver wire so i don't know it's just one of those things i think i think i get your point about why you don't like a guy like that in a single league when they would normally feel like a better investment there either way i want logan morrison as a corner Mm -hmm. and if if he is a corner in an a only league and i do have to get on the waiver wire if he gets hurt again then okay i'll figure that out but i don't want him as my primary first baseman uh we'll talk more about first base here in in a little bit but another al first baseman lucas duda Finally found a landing spot. Thirty homers, man, does not 
move the way it used to. That took forever for Logan Morrison to sign with 38 homers, and Lucas Duda popped 30 of his own and finally found a landing spot in the same division. He's going to become a KC Royal. And holy crap, that lineup is terrible even with him. <laughs> My God, it is so bad. Um, if you thought his 30 homers, 64 RBI, 50 run performance last year was comical, wait until you see what happens in KC. What do you think of Duda as a Royal? I, I mean, I love that he's going to have a full-time opportunity because I, I really felt like there was a chance that he was going to end up someplace like back with the Mets um, where he would be platooned. And I know Ross Resources is saying he's going to platoon with, with uh, Dozier. Uh, I, I don't. Yeah, but Dozier hasn't shown anything. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to buy that. Uh, OBP leagues? He could, you know, joking. I was joking with you about this before we started. Like, he could legitimately hit 215 and have like a 350 on base percentage. Which would be hilarious. <laughs> so, <laughs> just like, nope, 24% walk rate. Yeah, no one's going to pitch to him in, in Kansas City, especially like, uh, like you mentioned late in the game. Uh, he, he's a reliable source of power. You're not going to have to pay anything for him. Uh, I mean, I haven't checked both these guys' ADPs, but I assume Duda is going after Logan Morrison by a fairly uh, hefty margin. Let's see, Duda is going 448th, uh, and Logan Morrison is going 294th. So give me Lucas Duda all day, um, even though he's in the worst lineup in the worst park. Real man power plays anywhere. Yeah, and they're just not too far apart to be that many picks apart, mm-hmm. even with Logan Morrison, because you're buying high on Logan Morrison and you're buying regular on Duda. So I agree with you there. Uh, Tim Lincecum, head to Texas. You know, this AAA team is shaping up to be amazing here in Round Rock, just north of Austin where I live. And I'm gonna, I might have to spend the summer up there with that uh, Bartolo Colon, Tim Lincecum rotation. Oh, no, it's it's a major league contract. It's, it's... Oh, hey, touche, <laughs> Timmy. I'm sorry, dog. Honestly, jokes aside, I really want this to work. I think we need Tim Lincecum in the league. It's it's a it's a better league when Tim Lincecum is, is in it and successful. I really hope that this works is is he going to be a, a a full-time reliever or are they, are they yeah, going to try to start him they said that they are going to give him a shot to close i kind of love that i mean like for me like the the main takeaway is uh matthew berry used to talk about jason mott and how much the cardinals hated him hated him yeah exactly like with a mott like intensity how much do the rangers hate keona Kella? I oh, mean, God. they just, they tried to sign uh, O. No, uh, which, by know. the way, he went to Toronto. We're not going to talk about it because he has no chance to take the job. Mm-hmm. It's irrelevant. Yeah, and obviously he's got some uh, some medical stuff that yeah. is not good for get, to get that, uh, that contract voided. Uh, but the Rangers must really hate Keona Kella or you, just want to hold down his service last time. last year. You know, he got in trouble last year for mm-hmm. some attitude stuff, which is why he started the season in the minors. So that Mott-like intensity of hatred <laughs> is, is is sticking around. But, yeah, they don't seem – Claudio got the job done at times last year. Alex Claudio, he's like a, a Darren O'Day from the left side. You got Jake Diekman coming back, another strong lefty. I almost think that uh, he could get a good look because one of the main reasons that lefties don't get as much of a shot is because a lot of bullpens have one lefty. And you need him for that big lefty lefty at bat in the seventh inning, and, and you don't want to blow it. You know you don't want to have to be saving that guy for the ninth inning to close. Well, if you got two lefties, you're good to go, and they do. So I kind of like Deekman, but he had you know he only pitched a little bit last year. 
after missing most of the season with colon surgery. And then you had Kayla, who I was investing in, I was buying into. And like you said, they must hate him because now they're telling Lincecum, hey, you could be the closer. I love it, though, only because, again, I love Tim Lincecum. And I, I've been on the Tim Lincecum should be a reliever for a while now. The last mm-hmm. couple of years that he started, I thought he would have been better off relieving and I, I i wonder if he maybe could have avoided this this lull in his career and i think lull is is calling it lightly because he was absolutely brutal in 16 and wasn't very good in 15 and maybe we could have avoided all of that if he had shifted to the bullpen maybe in in late 14 and then been been in the bullpen for the last few years but that's all right he's back he looked yoked as hell at driveline baseball i can't remember who took that picture of him there was somebody else working there that took that picture. Uh, and he was like, Sorry. It, I thought it was Another a Rocky, player. yeah. Um, was it Adovino? Yeah, it was Adovino. That's right. It was, yeah. Oh, it was Adam Adovino. So, um, you know, he was looking looking fit for sure, but a lot of guys can look fit and not necessarily have the stuff and be ready to go. But what, what do you think about this here? Outside of the uh, the star aspect of it, the, the, the fun, the funness, I was, was the word I was going to say. I don't think that's the right word. But the, the fact that it's fun to have Lentz come back, do you see any viability here? I want nothing to do with any pitcher in Texas. Well, <laughs> with the Rangers, at least. I mean, the rotation is awful. The, the bullpen is awful. Uh, I, I have no real read other than Alex Claudio will probably start with the job, um, but I, I think this is a situation in which you could see five or six guys get five plus saves. Gross! I hate those. And like, I hate like. Those jobs. Would it surprise you if in June Matt Bush isn't working out in the rotation and he goes back into the bullpen? No, not at all. And then takes the you yeah know, has a uh, a week in there where he gets himself back on track, mm-hmm. starts getting some confidence, and then crushes it in the bullpen and takes that job. No, yeah. No. So I mean, like there is no there's no person I want to invest heavily in at all. I mean, just just stay away. You know, this is why you end up paying for guys like Chapman and Jansen. You pay that premium so you don't have to deal with this mess. Yes. I'm going to cheat a little bit here and remove the very best option and take JT Real Muto out of this because I do think that despite that crappy lineup, uh, him as a catcher is still somewhat appealing. And then I'll ask you, would you rather have somebody from the Marlins lineup or Texas's pitching? Oh, there's plenty of guys in the Marlins lineup all I'd rather have. Plenty? I mean, give me, Justin give me Justin Bohr. Give me Starlin Castro. Okay. Uh, give me right. Lewis fine, Brinson. Fine. You I'm, know. I'm okay. Uh, upgrade the difficulty. I started off easy for you. KC lineup or Texas pitching. You're gonna take Duda. Damn it. Yeah. You just you just gushed over Duda. Give me what Duda, Duda okay. Merrifield. I, mean, like, I, clu- I clubbed. I clubbed. Uh, I Tanya Hardinged Whit Merrifield. His leg doesn't work. And we're in a 10, 12 team mixed league. So your Duda oh, doesn't 12, really play. Yeah, Twelve team now mixed. You, now you got to pick. And you're like, it's a 12 team mix. Like, why would I have to pick for my those those, those teams? Because I'm making you. This is like a draft and old two where I can't drop guys, right? Exactly. Like, this is like this I'm is, this is I'm stuck with them for everyone. 12 teamer. Uh, again, I've clubbed Merrifield. He's on the ground, t- non- Nancy Kerrigan style. Saying, give why? me Sal Perez. I'll take Sal Perez at catcher. All right, damn it! I should have eliminated the catcher again. All right, I can't get you to take a Texas pitcher, and I don't think I really blame you. You know. We talked about it on the pitching show with with uh, with Nick Nick Pollock, and you guys crushed Hamels. And 
I don't think you were completely out of bounds because it was such a rough year and he is 34, but I, I'm still holding out a, 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 the littlest tinge, the littlest tinge of that he's not done. But I've also held out that hope for Felix for a few years, and that hasn't gone well. So maybe I'm, maybe you guys are just getting off the hot potato before before any trouble really hits because he wasn't you know he didn't kill your team last year but you could get a situation where you draft a Cole Hamels and it could go it could go really sideways so maybe you guys are just hot potatoing it and saying you know what don't want to be left holding this when the music stops and uh, I'm an idiot so maybe I'll, I'll dive in that's that's about the only one that I can really get I don't even I wouldn't even say excited about but that I could see myself take outside of the Kayla shares that I had before they've tried to figure out a way to get him out of the closers role as fast as possible. Um, super deep league here, even deeper than the Lincecum stuff. Well, no, actually probably same sort of depth. Francisco Liriano back, uh, not back to Detroit, uh, signed with the team, going to Detroit. I love it. I've always been a Liriano guy. He's burned me a million times. It's not, uh, it's not cool what he's done, done to me all the times I've invested, but I try to remember the good times when, um, <laughs> when Jason Collette told me about him as a prospect and instructed me to get him in this minor league AL only draft, and then I got all the 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 really good stuff when he first started before he started getting hurt, and then when I reinvested when he was in Pittsburgh and got a bunch of good stuff. So I I remember the good times with Francisco Ariano. Um, he's going to pitch in Detroit. They got to fill fourteen hundred and fifty eight innings. He's going to get some of them. You know, I I'm I'm. The smallest amount of excited because Chris Basio is there, and I, I just kind of want to see what he can do with any of the Tigers pitchers. But what do you think of Liriano in Detroit? I mean, if you're in a 30-team league, uh, sure. you need to fill innings too. Like, uh, just <laughs> like I, I mean, I, I understand. Like, he's he's 34. Um, he hasn't been able to stay too. healthy. I mean, he wasn't even really good in the pen last year. That's. That's, that's the, the concerning that's the part, part for yep. me. It's like he had you know, a one-one strikeout to walk ratio in fourteen. It's only fourteen innings, but that you can't really no no small sample really covers that. Once you get beyond like seven innings, that uh, that you can say, well, it was only fourteen innings. It was a one-one strikeout to walk ratio, and it's not even like he had ten strikeouts and ten walks. Uh, actually, he did, but it wasn't in like ten innings. It was six point nine strikeouts per nine and six point three walks shoot me in the face that's terrible um so yeah it's it's gonna be tough but i'm holding out hope for one of one rebirth give me one rebirth out of zimmerman fires and liriano give me something to watch every fifth day besides just fulmer i need need two out of the five days to be worth watching for the pitchers please but you know i'm still gonna sit down and watch 130 of those games this year i can't i can't commit to the buck 50 that i was watching when when the tigers were good I just I gotta be smart with my time, but some would say that even 130 isn't that smart. But I'm a true fan, so. I mean, if but, he can get back to a little bit of what, and I know the numbers weren't good in 2016, but he was getting more ground balls. He was keeping the ball out of the air a little bit more. He got killed a little bit, you know. He got killed a lot in the home run to fly ball rate, but I don't think that necessarily what you know is a sustainable mark at 18.8. Mm-hmm. I like he could do it's a big stadium you know it's a pitcher's park if you can keep it going to center Liriano could have some mm-hmm. success because you can still get it out pretty well to uh to right to left field especially and then even right field at times um if the wind's blowing out the wrong way for a pitcher it, it can really go out so it, you know it's like one of those that that can be 
I think it's mostly neutral in Comerica Park, but on the wrong night with the wrong pitcher. Here's the thing. I think the data has said that that Comerica Park has turned into a a, a, a hitter's park. And I know that they say that it, it, it kind of neutralizes the, the pitchers. I'm suspect, though, mm-hmm. Justin, because y- is it is it not weird that it became this massive hitter's park when the Tigers are putting out the worst pitchers in the world? Yeah. And, I mean, didn't we have, like, some issues with their data anyways in terms of, yes, like, hot guns? Test. and Like, I mean, uh, I don't know. I, for me, Liriano just... I think he really needs to change the pitch mix a ton. Like, well, he only has the two. Yeah, well, that's and, a problem because one of them is atrocious. Yes. Well, the, maybe the, he... I the mean, slider's I guess great. He needs to, like, figure out... 50% sliders. Yeah. Um, maybe, right? I mean, like... No, 32.8% sliders is what, what they're showing here on... No, I'm saying he needs to go to... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to go to that, and then he needs to figure out some sort of different grip for a fastball or something like that because the, the sinker he's been using is it's got I mean I was just looking That's at his negative yeah it's it's like a negative 12 on his pitch values not good folks ne- and negative 16 the year before in 2016 so it's an AL only play um you know when you start getting deep in those AL onlys especially if you're crazy enough to do 12 teams AL only uh, you're going to be looking for for names you know, and you're going to wind up with some Liriano shares. So you guys are laughing right now, but wait till you get your AL only leagues and it's late, and you're like, you know what? Yeah, you're he's, in your 12 team AL Central only leagues. You, you'll shut up. <laughs> He'll be like a sixth round pick in that league. <laughs> All right, so yeah, super deep. I'm not really, you know, I'm not trying to say dive in head first on Francisco Liriano or any any Tigers pitcher that isn't Michael Fulmer, but. Um, Let's just say that if he put up like a four ERA for 150 innings, I wouldn't be surprised. And I know that that's not a very high bar and or even super confident uh, uh, in saying that. I'm just saying there's a there's a tinge of something there. If he and Mike Fires can keep the damn ball in the yard, they could be adequate filler in AL only. I know, super, super high endorsement. Uh, last little bit here is not a piece of – it's not a, a signing, so that's why it's kind of just shuffled off to the side here. But it looks like the Phillies are talking with Lance Lynn. And they've kind of been in on on all three of the big pitchers remaining at some point with, with rumors. Mostly Arietta, but now we see some talks with Lynn. It's looking like they want to make another strong move here with the Carlos Santana on offense and then a big pitcher here uh, to shore up the, the rotation. They're, they're leaning more and more toward my my Milwaukee of this year team. I, I had it between them and Atlanta. Then Atlanta went and put Casimir and McCarthy in their rotation, and I was like, well, I guess they don't want to compete this year at all, not even as a uh, sneak-up team. But I look more up and down this this Philly team, and I, I see it, man. I, I, I see the path. The thing of it is you go Aaron Nola, and then you get mm-hmm. really troublesome because is Jared Eikhoff healthy? Is Vince Velasquez healthy? Can Nick Pavetta keep the ball in the yard? What is a Ben Lively? <laughs> so, you know, you have a lot of questions there. But you put you put a, a, a Lance Lynn who is going to eat up 180 innings. And I don't say eat up as, like, that's all he's going to do. He's not just going to eat up bad innings. He's going to eat them up and be quality. I think, I think he's a good pitcher. And so I think he's going to give you, like, a 380 ERA for a buck 80. That really changes the scope of a rotation. And you need a lot less out of whatever a Ben Lively is, um, and and even Nick Pavetta, if he's not any good, although I do kind of like him as a sleeper. And so I think that would change change the Phillies a lot. What do you think of Lance Lynn if he goes out to uh, Philly? 
I mean, it wouldn't be my favorite landing spot for him because the the park wouldn't be you know really really great fit for him. It'd be better than Milwaukee, but um, I you know yeah, he's a guy true. who when he struggles, it's because of the home run. Especially last year, the home runs really bit up, uh, really jumped up on him and, and, and bit Lance Lynn. But it was a major spike in homer to fly ball rate too. So I'm wondering if if that might have been some bad luck with it. Normally, I would go investigate the home runs on Hit Tracker Online, but we have to have an in memoriam because Hit Tracker Online is no more, folks. Pour one it out. It was down. What's that? Pour one out. I know it was down for a while, like you couldn't even get it to pull up anything, and I was like really sad. And then the other day I went to check again, and and Greg Rybarczyk, R Y B A R C Z Y K, Rybarczyk, has posted a message that says that it's it's gone. And it's really sad because that was a great effing mm-hmm. page. So, Greg, thank you for all your work. Pour a little out. Play a little in memoriam music for, for Hit Tracker. But anyway, I would normally go investigate kind of the Homer mix there. Like how many just enoughs, how many plenties, mm-hmm. how many luckies. Was he, was it really just getting crushed 450 feet all the time? Or were there some, you know, 380s and 370s in there? Because that was kind of the biggest difference with the home run thing and, and the juiced ball. It wasn't that everything was going 900 feet. I know you guys see all the Judge and Stanton highlights, and you're like, damn, juiced ball. But the real thing, the reason like – that Scooter Jeanette was hitting four homer games and hit what? What did he hit? Like twenty-seven homers or some crap? Was because guys that can normally hit it, you know, three fifty on the regular were hitting it three seventy. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just getting that extra bit, and it's just going into the first two three rows. Let alone if you get a little wind gust, and all of a sudden your your, your three forty hit is now going the, the requisite three sixty five that it needs to go right down the line. So that's what it was. Just that little bit of extra. Um, that that was sending homers out. So I just look and I see 14% homer to fly ball rate. If you add up Lance Lynn's 14 and 15, by the way, he was out 16 with Tommy John, and then 14% in 2017 alone, I think it comes back down. I think it gets the homers a little bit more in check, even if it's not back down to the uh, 0.8 rate of his career. If it's more of a .9, 1.0, that's still going to cut off a good number of homers. And it's just going to make that ERA be more in line with his FIP. His ERA was still good last year, 343, but it was a 482 FIP. And I think that has people freaked out about Lance Lynn. I'm not freaked out. I think the price is fair. And I think 180 quality innings is what we're going to get. And I, I'm with you. I like I, I would prefer him in Minnesota or prefer him in you know, a couple other parks. But mm-hmm. Uh, I think he'd be fine. And, and to your to your credit, actually, in the second half, his home run to fly ball rate was nine percent. So uh, already coming back. Now. Yeah, and I mean, he was coming off of injury. We always say when you're coming off of because he was coming off of Tommy John, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, what's the last thing to return? Command. You know, and so like maybe he wasn't spotting pitches well. Uh, you know, when he's a zone. fastball machine too. So mm-hmm. if you're if you're not spotting and it's all fastballs, then those are probably pipe shots. And he doesn't throw that hard. He's a he's a ninety one ninety three sort of guy. Yeah, so he's not like he's not a sexy pick, but I think he's especially if you take uh, some shots early on, you know, on maybe some bigger gambles, McCullers or Paxton, things like that. You need a stabilizing force at the end of your rotation that's going to make sure you're getting those innings, and so Lynn can be one of those guys at the back end of your rotation. That's a great call. Yeah, if you if you are you know you jump in on the Luis Castillo or if you're a Luke Weaver backer, you need to get a guy like this in case that really goes sideways and your innings aren't there because then you're going to really be behind in strikeouts. 
All right, let's talk some first base. And uh, if you guys want to follow along, what we're doing is we're using the NFBC average draft position data. It's at playnfbc.sportshubtech.com slash ADP. I'll post a link to it. And then set the date to uh, February 15th. Kind of an arbitrary thing, but just the last couple weeks, just want to kind of get some of the more fresh data to get an idea of where guys are going. If you use the entire thing that started on October 1st, you know, you're going to have obviously this is not for uh, first base or third base, but you'll have stuff like Christian Yelich being mostly a Marlin and stuff like that. So we're trying to get some of the stuff that's uh, a little bit more updated and get some of the more um, uh, movers and shakers, if you will, as they start to kind of change. And it's going to change even more now. I mean, we're really hitting once the count flips to march crap really begins like mm-hmm. we are in full swing now so we're going to do what we did last time kind of just go down by tier i'll ask you your thoughts get some of your favorites some of your least favorites and and, and we'll do that so let's start with first base i think the, the first tier. well this is interesting to me because i was really surprised by this for me i would put the first tier as goldschmidt Votto, freeman and rizzo but i kind of have to put bellinger in there at least by adp because the He's, drafters are putting him in there. Mm-hmm. He's ahead of Rizzo, and that really surprises me. So we have uh, – I'm going to round, by the way. I'm not going to say 6.25. I'm just going to say Paul Goldschmidt, pick six. Joey Votto, 19. Freeman, 21. And then um, 25 for Bellinger and 26 for Rizzo. And that's really interesting to me. Also, Goldie has a new max pick of 15 based on the humidor. So that's an interesting change. What do you think of these first five first basemen here? I, I love four of the five. And is, you know, Bellin- is Bellinger the one you don't love? Yeah, Bellinger's Same. the one I don't love. He just looks so lost in that playoff run. And, it, and like, how is he? like, Man, I, I was super excited about him last mm-hmm. year. I love what he did. But how is he already in that group? That seems insane to me. He to me he feel it sh- he should be going in the E five you know Will Myers Eric Hosmer range you know exactly. with with Reese Hoskins and I think Reese Hoskins you know we'll talk about him in the next year is a bit overrated uh, mm-hmm. where he's going but he like no reason that Bellinger should be going as high as he is right now and I just I worry that maybe pitchers found a little bit of a hole in his swing towards the end of last season uh, and it was really exposed in the playoffs um, where not only he struck out 43% of the time in the 15 games uh, uh, oh stretch, he, he only walked 4.5% of the time. So like he, he lost it all. It wasn't just, he was like, you know, swinging and missing. He was not patient. Um, he was frustrated. It got into his head. Uh, that to me is a it shows the floor. We obviously saw the upside last year with 39 exactly. home runs in 132 games. Like that is some serious upside. He has 45 home run power. He steals bases. He can hit for average at times. But we just saw the floor, and the floor is a 230 hitter, you know, who's striking out 35 percent of the time, and the Dodgers aren't going to let him do that. Jock Peterson. <clears throat> mm-hmm. It's the floor. I'm not saying he is no. Jock Peterson, and y'all know I love Jock Peterson, so it's I feel bad even shading him. But he struck out 59% of the time in the World Series, and I know it's a small sample, but it's 59% of the time. Like, I'm sorry, even 29 plate appearances, there's something called signature significance, and when it's when it's uh, on the super high end or the super low end, there there is some extra meaning to it, even when it's a small sample, and that was pretty freaking brutal. And so you know he's going to have to figure out, Pellinger is, how to figure out 
how to hit breaking balls or else he's just going to get a steady diet mm-hmm. and you're almost going to never see a freaking fastball for him. So there's definitely some some worry there. I can't be taking him in the top 25 with that concern. I love the upside. He is just 22, though. Prospect growth is not linear. Uh, obviously, he's no longer a prospect from a uh, rookie standpoint or whatever, but he's still a young guy who has just one year of track record. And he could, he could fall back, have a sophomore slump, and then bounce back in 19 and take off and become the superstar. But there's still learning to be done here. He has 548 uh, MLB plate appearances. There's no universe where I'm drafting him here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to talk about Goldie. I mentioned the new max pick is 15 for him. And um, that's obviously a reaction to the humidor, which is concerning because they're worried that it's going to take some of his home home runs. But is that too far for the guy who was being regularly drafted between picks two and four to now jump down to 15? I think it is. I mean, like, I understand, like, there is a lot of, you know, math around it, and I am, and I'm not a scientist, like, by any mm-hmm. stretch of the imagination. Um, Goldie can do so many different things, though, in so many different ways, and we've seen different profiles and him switch between, you know, trying to hit for power, trying to hit for more contact, you know, stealing bases. It's not like him losing four or five home runs makes this big of an impact where he should be sliding you know outside of the first round in 12 team leagues and where he went in that you know max pick of 15 was the uh the online rotorwire online championship leagues and vlad sedler was in it um and he said all of the arizona bats were dropping and like and don't get me wrong i think they definitely there's definitely some reasons for these bats to take a hit but I think this is a situation in when where the hate has gone too far. Yes, to quote another mm-hmm. uh, fantasy Barry, focus, yeah. Matthew Barry quote, which I love using. Here's the thing. And if you look at his 2016, he only hit 24 homers. Now, he did have 32 stolen bases compared to 18 last year. But my point is, is that even with, with quote unquote, just 24 homers, which is 12 fewer than he had last year. Um, and he did that in in more plate appearances, seven oh five to seven to six sixty five. He was still able to be a thirty five dollar player. And again, it was because of the steals. Be okay, then take some of the steals off from the thirty two, but add more than the eighteen because it's been twenty one, thirty two, eighteen. I think you could reasonably put him for a what twenty three projection. So if you go twenty three stolen bases and twenty eight homers with a 295 average and one 110 110 is that not still ridiculously elite if he's going that late sign me up man yeah. that's insane i've been talking with with my my uh, nfbc partner about you know different picks that we want and if this is a trend that continues then i want to get back in in into the back of the first round and get goldie at that mm-hmm. point like I, I, I wasn't taking him in the in that three four area because I just prefer Arenado and and Turner. It's nothing against Goldie. It was just a preference for a couple other guys. I would take him at you know five six seven any anywhere in the that early part still. But if you're going to push him all the way back to the double digits ten or later is an absolute steal for Goldie. And he's got an amazing first name too, which you have to you have to take that into account. That's a huge fantasy. Factor. It's a category, you get extra right? Points. Yeah, it's a category. Great first name. And, you know, and that's another thing we didn't bring up about Cody Bellinger. My brother's name is Cody. So that's, mm. that's a plus for him that, that kind of protects him a little bit. But Buster, like you can't take Buster Posey. His first How name is Buster. How dare you? That's a dumbass name. You're an adult. 
Okay, Gerald? You're an adult for F's sake. I, I would okay. let him deliver my children. <laughs> Dude, that's still an amazing commercial. Yes. It's one of those that got played a billion times, and I never didn't like it. Yeah, it was still I, great. As far as, so- uh, as far as Goldie, like I was one of the people taking him third. Like He was my number three player um, before this humidor stuff started to really get figured out. Now I've got well, Trey Turner there to. there now. Yeah, now you don't have to. Yeah, like, but I can't see, like, I see the argument, okay, Arenado, yeah, I'm taking taking Arenado over him. Uh, Betts, I see the argument there. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to start maybe throwing pitchers in there, you know, if you want to take a pitcher in the first round. But, like, I like Goldschmidt's not getting past, like, eight or nine for me. He can't. He really can't, and that's about the latest that that I've got him. Like I said, if you start getting double-digit Paul Goldschmidt, you're crushing your opponents in the first round. Now it's one round; you got to finish it off. But like, you are getting a major advantage. This is a colossal overreaction. I'm sure it'll steady out as people kind of breathe a little bit. But uh, if it continues and we see him more in line with this max pick, and we see Goldie going, uh, you know. 10, 11, 12 on, with regularity and every once in a while dropping to 14, 15, then that could be the steal of the draft, which is crazy to say in the first round. Uh, we got Votto, Freeman, and Rizzo. They're all steady eddies. You know, Votto's going the highest, but it's also the oldest. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about those three? I, I feel like if Freeman can stay healthy, uh, he should be going in the first round. Like if you could, if you guarantee me health on Freddie Freeman, uh, he's a top seven, eight pick for me. I can't disagree because he is really good. He's a he's a little bit underrated, and and, the, and that again, park they built that park specially for him. For him. And like, Julio Tehran is not happy about it. No, no, and he shouldn't be. But I mean, <laughs> Freddie. I mean, like they they could not have built a better park in SunTrust for for his swing, for his power, um, and if he can just stay on the field for seven hundred plate appearances. We're talking about a guy that could conceivably be a forty home run bat with you know a three hundred, four hundred, five hundred line. I mean, it's yep. just and ten, ten SBs. He's had yeah. six and eight the mm-hmm. last two years. Hey, you as a Giants fan should be calling for Freeman to stay on the field for one hundred and fifty five plus this year because he's gone starting in twenty fourteen one sixty two. 118, 158, 117. That's an obvious pattern and trend of every even year he stays on the field. So this is obviously a Freeman health year, yes? <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's irrefutable. <laughs> Hashtag even year, baby. It's, uh... <laughs> Hashtag even year, vomit, God. Uh, but no, actually, I, I agree with you. Freeman's a guy I've underrated in the past and I really started to kind of understand his greatness the last two years. And you look at what he did last year, 28 yaks, 71 ribbies, eight steals, and a 307 average, and 84 runs in 117 games. Mm-hmm. And so if you just get that buck 45, let alone if you do get another 158 or 162, it's insane. So I really like him as well. I love Votto. I understand, you know, there's there's some age concern just because anybody that's that eight, uh, that's that old has a little bit. But honestly, that's very, very, very minor. I'm really not giving a lot of credence to some major concern that he's 34. His his skills are so rock solid. He's he's at the peak of his powers right now. And I know he won an MVP back in 2010 and had an even better year in 2012. But if you look at the last three years, he has been completely out of his mind. He led the NL in OPS. Last 
last year. And sure, it's it's definitely fueled by the OBP, but it's not like his 578 slug uh, is lame. And the batting average that he gives you for 550 mm-hmm. plus uh, at bats a season, you know, he did go 336, 100 ribbies, 106 runs because that offense wasn't too bad last year. And he also chips in some steals at first base. So I don't think you can go wrong between. Votto and Freeman and then even Rizzo who again I'm never I, I've never really been a huge fan of him I don't really know why I think I just end up I think because I know exactly why because when it comes down to Votto versus Rizzo I always take Votto so I've mm-hmm. never had the Rizzo experience but he is a younger version um uh you know of Votto not quite as much OBP or whatever but like that same sort of guy who's just a steady Eddie every single year 3100 Gives you some stolen bases at at first base. You know the crazy thing about him is uh, Rizzo's never scored a hundred runs. Really, which is insane because he's been three eighty six, three eighty seven, three eighty five, three ninety two on his OBPs the last four years. But it's uh, eighty nine, ninety four, ninety four, ninety nine. Is this the year? Does he score a hundred this year? I think he does. I mean, you know, and and Rizzo like this. If this isn't proof of how deep the first two rounds are. I don't know what it is. And I know like exactly. a lot of people and you yourself have said like you really want to be picking towards the end of a draft. For me, like give me the number one or number two pick every time because I think there's a real shot in a 15-team league. I'm getting three studs to start off my team. Well, and I agree with that because I, I do want one, two, or 14, mm-hmm. 15. Yeah. It, it's, it, I really want one of the ends. First of all, I just like being able to get two picks very close. I think you can – you have more control over your draft, in my opinion. That's how I feel. Um, it's a skill to draft at the end, and I don't know that everybody has that skill. I would agree. And and I think having so much practice, I at least feel comfortable doing it. I, I would not go so far as to call myself skilled at it, uh, let others assess that, but I definitely feel comfortable doing it. So I like both ends. I, I do agree with you that you're not getting shaded if you if you have the first pick, you get Trout Altuve. And what, what you get coming back in the late second round, early third is fantastic. And it's not – I'm just going to cop out totally and say you can't really go wrong with any pick right now because the first two rounds are so deep. I just prefer the ends mm-hmm. because of the bang bang pick and because it's just um, uh, it is fun. It's fun to be there and kind of put some control over the draft too because you can also drain the pool and certain stuff and and cause you can make other people do things that you can't necessarily do picking smack dab in the middle. It's a fair point. You know if you. You go two closers, two starters, stuff like that. So uh, that's that's what I like. But anyway, if we spend this much time on every tier, we're never going to get done. So let's six move hour on. podcast, baby. It's gonna, we're going to be here until Friday. Uh, moving on, first base, we've got uh, Jose Abreu, Reese Hoskins. I'm not going to cover Posey, and I, I was making a joke earlier about him or whatever. But if you put him at first base, you're stupid. Stop playing fantasy baseball. You don't know what you're doing. So we're not even going to talk about mm-hmm. him as a first baseman. We'll talk about it when we do catchers. So Abreu at pick 40, Reese Hoskins at pick 48, Edwin and Canarcion at pick 56, Will Myers at 65, and then we'll, we'll we'll bump Hosmer in here at pick 79. What do we think about this uh, this little middle tier here of first base? Okay, this is like, and it's gonna sound weird. Like this is, like the the first time where I'm really, uh, I'm really starting to worry about the drop off at first. I know, like everybody keeps saying, first base is deep. First base is deep. We're gonna get to some names. 
Yeah, we're going to get some of the names there where you're not going to want to be, you know, going the whole season with, you know, Trey Mancini a, a, as your first mm-hmm. baseman or, you know, or even when or you Matt get Olson, you know, or, or Lucas Duda. Like, how comfortable are you feeling if you waited on first? Um, and like, there's some really steady production here, especially from a guy like E5. Like, you can literally pencil in what you're going to get from him. Like, you mm-hmm. know, like on draft day, you're going to get 35 home runs, a 255, 260 average, 100 RBIs, 85, 90 runs scored. Uh, it's not pretty. It's not sexy, but it is uh, It is consistent. It is the opposite of what we're getting from Reese Hoskins, and so I don't understand. Like, like I understand like the upside, and people shoot for upside all the time, but to me, taking Hoskins over a guy like E5 is a mistake. Um, because it's the floor is just low. It's just in like we're we're not we're, we're pretending like he didn't struggle down the stretch. That's a great point too, right? Like he had his little his strong fifty game sample, and when you add it all up, but it was like this shot out the gate and then a sputter to the finish. And I know that when you start parsing a fifty game sample, it's pretty rough because it's already just fifty games. But if you really look at it, like the last like eighteen or so, it was it was pretty bad. Like mm-hmm. they were starting to figure some things out. Find like he had to slow down, obviously, but he really did. Like he ended up hitting two fifty nine, and he was hitting like nine thousand for the for the for the bulk of that run. I'm looking right now here over the last. Let's see. Last the last two weeks he hit one. Games. Yeah, last two weeks he went one thirty five, two ninety two, one ninety two slug. Yep. Gross. No homers, and that's in sixty five plate appearances. Um, he had 19 strikeouts. He still had 11 walks. He does still mm-hmm. walk, and and that's great. I love the plate skills. Like that's the thing of it is, and this happens a lot. And I think you're always good about understanding this too, and 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 pointing it out. When you're when you're like aggressively against a guy like this, it's never the guy. It's the cost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got nothing against. And Reed I Hoskins. have a share of Hoskins already in, in an NFBC league because I'm so overexposed to E5 that I went well. You know, E5 is older. What if he gets hurt? Then I'm I'm dead on five teams. Now I'll, I'll take Hoskins here um, and take a shot and take a shot on on the upside, especially with NFBC having an overall prize. You know, mm-hmm. maybe I take a shot on the upside. But you have to like balance the safety versus the reward. Like to me, you can't like go risky. You, like don't take Trey Turner in the first round and then take Reese Hoskins in the third. Oh man, you are just. You're either trying to get first. You're you're Ricky Bobby. You're first or last. Yeah, well, but <laughs> people do crazy. that. Like people, I know. they're they're going to be people who pair Reese Hoskins and Byron Buxton in the third, fourth round. Wow, like I, I could not do that. I, I but don't. There will be, and like and like that is like a poor strategy. You there is even with the overall prize, you need to have bankable stats to compete. Well, and it's not like. And this is something I've talked about uh, a lot recently, and I talked about it on the Sirius XM show with with Chris Liss and, and Jeff Erickson. Older guys, established guys, have upside too, mm-hmm. and 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 in fact, I think that their upside is like even better because it's elite. You know, take an Anthony Rizzo. Yes, he's been the the pretty steady Eddie, boring two eighty thirty one hundred. His upside is MVP then. Mm-hmm. Because if everything goes right and he does hit the 45 homer season and does score 120 runs with 120 ribs and, and a 295 average, then he's competing for the for the MVP. And so you know, just because a guy hasn't done anything and and is young, that doesn't mean they have limitless upside. Like I I get the idea that it's fun to dream on guys, 
But there are limits to it. Just because you can say, well, it, he could. Justin, he could hit 85 homers. Tell me he can't. Tell me. Tell me he can't. He, uh, he could. He can't hit a homer a game. I, I, be, I believe it. I totally yeah, believe it. He could, right? Mm-hmm. You haven't seen him not do it. Okay? So he has that upside, Reese Hoskins does. Okay? So I'm going to take him with pick 30. Now, I just think it, it's it's trying a little too hard when you're taking him over uh, Edwin and Canarsion. And again, but it is based on how you're drafting. If you do have a little bit more steady up front and you want to risk it on Hoskins, okay. But if you do have the Trey Turner, like you're saying, which, which definitely has some risk for a guy who's never played 100 major league games, then you should probably put some uh, higher floor stability with like an Edwin. Mm-hmm. Um, Abreu is we're talking steady Eddie's man it's as steady as it goes I really like him do you think he gets traded out of Chicago Jose Abreu I don't necessarily know that he does I I, I, th- I think the White Sox may want a stabilizing factor in that lineup and the fact that they have uh, Luis Robert um, or Robert I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce it I think it is supposed to be Robert okay so Luis Robert you know he, he's a young Cuban guy maybe maybe they want a little bit of uh, tutelage for when he comes up and he could advance pretty quickly. Um, so, like, I, I don't know that he necessarily gets traded out of of uh, of Chicago. I worry about that lineup a little bit around him, but like yeah. again, it's like he's so safe. Like, you know, you're going to get a 300 average, the 30, you know, home runs, um, you know, the 100 RBIs. Maybe the run scored isn't as great as we would like, but but maybe it surges in the second half, maybe because they get some. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe a Robert himself comes up and an Eloy Jimenez comes up, and and it and it and it boosts a little bit. He's a guy Jose Abreu is that you got to kind of uh, weather the storm a little bit because uh, in this I I don't think I'm out of bounds when I say this, but there have been some uh, Latino players that that don't always fare well in the cold weather, and I'm sure there's plenty of American-born like California, Texas guys too. But it has been something that uh, has been studied with with Dominican, Latino, Cuban players where they're not always as good in the cold weather. Um, and why would they be? Cold weather is the worst thing in the year. Well, universe. and they're not used to it. Go play baseball exactly. in the Antarctica and see how well you do. <laughs> exactly. So I, I don't I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. And his stats have kind of shown that his first two months are usually kind of his, his, his coldest, pun intended. But then the summer, he's just nails. And over his career, June is a 916 OPS, 905 in July, 951 in August, and 895 in September. And that's after an 834 in April and 786 in May. And so I don't think, and that's over his entire career, I don't think that's just coincidence. I think it is a situation where, I remember Soriano, Alfonso Soriano used to be like that, and he would say, it's, it's too damn cold, man. Like I, th- This is terrible. Like that's No wonder he did so well when he was in Texas. Um, so if you do draft him, and it, and it looks like it's sputtering a little bit out of the gate with Jose Abreu. Just sit tight. You're going to get those numbers at the end of the year, and they're going to be strong. Um, I really, I really do like him. Um, the the two Padres, Myers and Hosmer. Are you concerned with Myers going to the outfield uh, as far as his health goes? Nope, not concerned at no. all. Okay, no. tell I mean, me why. I just at the end of the day, like guys are going to get hurt, and like don't get me wrong, Myers has a little bit, you know, higher likelihood, but. You know he played he played all last season, and I know he played at first, but he's not going to have to play the corner, or he's going to play in the corner. He's not going to he's not, not going to play center. Yeah. So I, you know, I think they'll I think I think they'll be inventive in ways to give him breaks, get him at first, give Hosmer breaks. Um, 
I, I don't I don't worry about it. You know, maybe I'll draft a, a first baseman. You know, as a reserve, a little bit higher, or maybe I'll focus on first for my corner. corner. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but the the power speed combination is just so fantastic. It helps you well, out in so many ways when you're constructing a team. Uh, that I, I love Eric Hosmer. I actually I have him above Reese Hoskins. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, Will Myers. Um, and I, with your I, strategy, you love it because you're not you don't focus much on batting average because it's so volatile. And yes, he's been a, like a career 255 guy, so he's probably going to hit 255. But he could also hit 270, and it wouldn't be out of bounds, even though he's never done it. And so then you get a 25-25 a, a and 270, and it's that's huge for Will Myers. So um, I understand. I, I do have a little bit of concern, but I don't think he's going to go back to 60 games played, which is what he had in 2015. I think it's more of like, okay, he had 157, 155 the last two years. Maybe he only gets 145 this year. Maybe it's a, maybe it's one DL stint um, for for a nagging something or other. So there's a, a tinge of concern, but I don't think that it's uh, something that you have to lower his price for. He's pick 65. I'll pay that. What about his new teammate Hosmer? I want nothing to do with Hosmer. I just it just have. it's such an unsexy profile uh, for first base. It just yeah. you know I mean it just I and who knows and it's first year first year on a you know I know you're a big proponent. Literally of, what I was about to say. Yeah, yeah, you know first year on a new contract, huge money contract in a new city. Uh, the the lineup is decent, but it's not great. So it's no, going to get I, I better. So yeah, no, I couldn't agree more on on this. And I, it's mostly for pitchers, but but for hitters too. You just you never know how it's going to be. Uh, not every guy fails or anything like that. It's, I'm not saying it's this universal thing. I just avoid it because I don't want the extra headache because I don't know how they're going to react to becoming this this newfound uh, super rich person that's that's got all these expectations in a new city. How are they going to adjust? We don't know. It's a pass for me. It was already a pass. It's an easy, easier pass now. There's no uh, fantasy down, points for being a good teammate either. No, there isn't. And if there were, though, I would draft him because even though he's a total douche bro, that plays in the locker room. And, and he's definitely, he definitely will help lead that team more so than somebody like a Myers who's a little bit more of an aloof kind of uh, come and do my job sort of guy, not necessarily rallying the team. Uh, next, it's Miggy Cabrera, 97. Ian Desmond, pick 109. I almost said 110. That would have been cool. That's a number. Uh, Joey Gallo, 111. Marwin Gonzalez, 114. And then Matt Olson, 130. We'll cut it there and then do another one. So I think this starts to make your point about how the risk, uh, like mm-hmm. the, the, the uncertainty of first base. Yes, it's deep. It's deep on corner infielders, though. It's not deep on starting first baseman. I am still willing to take shots on Miggy. I'm going to have some shares. Um, I'm not seeing too much that I'm like doing backflips over in spring training. Still a lot of arm swings, so I'm I'm still definitely have some nerve nervousness there. But I'm willing to take a shot with him. I like Ian Desmond too. But the rest of that group is pretty rough for me as a starting first baseman. What do you think of this this little uh, quintet here? I feel like we're not getting a big enough discount on Ian Desmond. That's completely fair. Like, yes, but I, I still love him, and I still I'm going to take shots on him. I love the outfield and first base eligibility. Uh, he still plays in cores, which is obviously going to help. The power should come back. Uh, Miggy, uh, like I've said before, until I really start seeing him, you know, more and more, 
you know, making swings in games, I'm going to kind of just hold off and wait. And just if I'm in early drafts, I'm just not touching him. Uh, but that could change in an instant if, you know, through spring training, he really proves maybe he's back to his old self. Um, you know, the guys like Joey Gallo and Matt Olson, man, like, I feel like we needed like the uh, was it the anchorman drop like that escalated quickly. Yes, <laughs> like because yeah, like especially with him, Matt Olson. Oh my god, one twenty six. What that is ADP over the last two weeks one twenty six. Like I got him in an NFBC draft earlier this season where I got him like one sixty, and I really felt like I was reaching there. See, it's it's another Hoskins thing. Fifty nine mm-hmm. games, you get twenty four homers, which is of course bananas and awesome. But you, but you can't extrapolate that. Here's the thing. Let, let me ask you this. I, I'm not going to say would you be surprised because I don't think you would. I'll ask you the likelihood. What percentage chance do you think that he plays 145 games and and hits just twenty four homers? Who wait who who, who? Matt Olson. And hits just twenty four homers. Yeah, no. If he, I think that's like a seven percent chance that that happens. I think it's if he, a little bit higher. I don't think it's completely out of bounds. I don't think it's going to happen. That's not my projection for him. I'm just saying it could definitely happen. I think it's more likely he gets sent down if he's str- if he's struggling that he's much struggling and that not much. he's not going to play that many games. At least not at the major league level. Yeah, that's, that's they, they brought in Brandon Moss. Uh, they still have Renato Nunez, who's out of options. Um, Who was the other one you said? Renato Nunez. Uh, Renato, oh, yeah, 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 he's yeah. out of options. Like if if Matt Olson struggles, he he's not like Matt Chapman, who you know we'll talk about with third base, who's a Gold Glove defensive player. Stud defensively, he's you know? going to play. He's hitting two thirty. Exactly. Um, I just like like don't get me wrong. Like I know the skills are. are you know, the underlying skills are better with Matt Olson. But really, is this that different than like Chris Davis, who's going 100 picks later? No, it's not. And I'm not even sure that the underlying skills are that much better. I think they I, are I, a little bit. But like, like, honestly, like there's a ton of swing and miss. They, you know, it's yeah, there's I guess, a lot okay. of risk here. Let me, let me backtrack before we get comments. I didn't realize Chris Davis struck out 37% yeah. of the time. I'm sure that's 10 percentage points higher than what Matt Olson did in his. But um, Matt Olson could do that too. Like we're we're not talking about it. We're not talking about a guy who's who who isn't going to struggle at times of swing and miss uh, at the major league level. Like this, like this ADP is buying into the ceiling and not accounting for the floor. Correct, and that's the problem. That's the problem we have with the Reese Hoskins one too. Is that mm-hmm. these guys came up, had these scintillating small samples, and they're they're getting paid as if that's who they are now. No questions asked. Like Matt Olson could go Lucas Duda too and hit thirty homers with a two thirteen average, mm-hmm. and and a and a three thirty OBP. So he's able to still not get sent down, but it's still not it's certainly not what you paid for at one thirty. Uh, your point about Ian Desmond, by the way, we're only getting a 30 pick. We're only getting a two round discount for a flop year. So mm-hmm. that's tough, but that's Colorado. That's a thousand, thousand, thousand percent Colorado. Um, so, and then Gallo. Gallo is somebody that I've, I've used to just be flat out on. And then I started to kind of move in on and say, you know what? If you pair it right, you can you can make it work. Let me get that 40 in, in seven to 10 stolen bases. Um, and I'll figure out the average. You know, you get a get a poor man's Cody Bellinger, and then fix the batting average. But now the ADP is like, ooh, 
now I have to like I, I got to make it work. Mm-hmm. Now now he's got to go forty and ten for me with with eighty five plus runs and RBIs, just because I'm taking that batting average with it. That's expensive. It is expensive, but like this is the kind of guy you pair with a D Gordon in the second round. Yes, or even like a DJ LeMahieu. Mm-hmm. DJ LeMahieu, Daniel Murphy. Oh, especially somebody like that. Yeah, Gordon and Murphy, 100%. But if you can't get one of those mm-hmm. and you have to wait a little bit longer, you can get a DJ LeMayhew. Mm-hmm. If you don't take a Chris Davis, either of them really, or a Joey Gallo or somebody like this with your DJ LeMayhew, you've wasted your DJ LeMayhew. Like the whole point of taking that is to be able to take one of these, these power – exactly right massive guys that is going to hurt your batting average because they because he stabilizes it so i think if you just have a bunch of power speed 20 20 280 guys with your dj lemayhew you're wasting it you take joey gallo when you take dj lemayhew so um i can get behind it with that so it's just one of those guys the same with the speed rabbits um that you have it alters your draft so if you're not ready to change your your situation or if you don't have a game plan when you take one of these guys then don't take them because you can't just keep moseying along the way you were with a bunch of two two fifty to two seventy batting average guys. Um, when you take a Joey Gallo, you have to plan around it. And now you can't get Ulyaska Guriel at your. I mean, you can, but you're gonna have to wait. You can't get him at your corner as readily to make up for it. And mm-hmm. we'll talk about him in a few moments when uh, when we get to his ADP. But let's move on to the next group. We've got Ryan Zimmerman at 140, Greg Bird at 148, Trey Mancini at 149, Justin Smoke at 154, Carlos Santana at 168, and Matt Carpenter at 178, and then I'll squeeze Josh Bell in there at 189. So it's a little bit of a bigger group there. Um, An interesting mix of old and new, injured and healthy. What do we think about this group? I think there are some interesting buying opportunities uh, when you talk about Justin Smoke and Matt Carpenter, even even Carlos Santana, like I feel like these guys aren't getting credit for doing what you know, or at least Santana and Carpenter have aren't I've getting credit. Santana. Yeah, what they what they've done over the course of their career and how safe they can be. Well, um, let me push back on Carpenter because of the, the, the injury. Yeah, yes. but like if if the shoulder was really concerning to St. Louis. Wouldn't they have signed Mike Moustakis by now and pushed Carpenter over to first? Like the for me, Good the point. fact that they're willing to throw him out at third base every day, uh, coming into the season, and maybe they're just waiting for Moustakis's, you know, uh, price to draw. Um, but the fact that they're willing to go into the season with Carpenter playing third tells me that they do not have concerns about that shoulder. Okay. Okay, uh, l- listen, I love Matt Carpenter. I want to jump in, but Jason has got me concerned. Mm-hmm. And that's why I haven't really invested in Carpenter yet, kind of waiting to see what's up. He did play. I think he played recently. He, fi- he finally got on the uh, uh, got on the field in spring training. I'm not I'm not worried really about a slow spring training start with, with a 32-year-old. We know it, you know. Not with a hitter. No, no, not with a 32-year-old hitter at all. So, uh, but I will be monitoring Matt Carpenter throughout spring, and if he if the reports are solid and he's playing and he's hitting his benchmarks, then I'm back in. But as it stands right now, I've been staying away. You mentioned smoke as an interesting buying opportunity. So you buy into what he did last year. He had that amazing year. Some massively cut his strikeout rate to fuel that success. I think he cut 10 percentage points off of it. Actually, excuse me, 13 percentage points from 33 to 20 kept his 12% walk rate, and took off. You like Smoke to have another big year at age 31? 
I do. I mean, one, the, the prospect pedigree, I know has burnt a lot of people. And I think that is one of the reasons why people don't want to go back to the well. We talk a lot about uh, that sometimes life happens for players and we can't really judge, uh, you know, based on what's happening on the field, that, that maybe there's something off the field bothering him. Smoke lost his father a couple years ago, and he's talked about it, it really impacted him. Uh, last year was the first year after seeking some professional help for it uh, that he wow. felt he could really concentrate on the game of baseball. He made swing adjustments during that time and then took off and became the player we all kind of expected him to Way become like 10 years ago. Yep. So, like... Yeah, I'm buying it. It's a great park. The lineup, it's it's not what it was. Maybe um, it's not bad though. But that, no, it's it's, it's fine. Like, if, if you're not in a great lineup or in a horrid lineup, then I don't even really get to you know, like. It's not even really worth talking about. Like Toronto's lineup is fine. But Roger, not, Rogers Center is you know a great place to strong. hit. A lot um, of good other ballparks in the East. Yeah, like and and I I believe he'll stay on the field. Like my my problem with Ryan Zimmerman is. I don't buy that he's staying on the field. Like, if, if you guaranteed me 150 games for Ryan Zimmerman, I'd love Ryan Zimmerman out of this group. Yeah, because I, I love the bats. But, I've just like, always been a Ryan Zimmerman fan, but you just, you, you're not, you can't be betting on two healthy years in a row, right? I, I think I'm almost just flat out staying mm-hmm. away just because of the odds, just playing the odds that he gets hurt again. And I, I hate that. I hate to be negative on a guy's health like that so much with Ryan Zimmerman, but. You have to roster at, Matt Adams if you roster Ryan Zimmerman, and only in agreed. NFBC draft and holds are you able to do that effectively. I think that's a great way to put it. Um, let's see. Josh Bell had a nice little power breakout last year and uh, really started to understand, hey, I can lift the ball. I can have some power. Because mm-hmm. he was looking – I think he was getting a lot of that James Loney sort of comp, which is – I think that we're going to have to get a new guy, by the way. Because that you know people are going to stop remembering who James Loney is, but it was that that makes me that sad. Was, <laughs> I I had a lot of hope for James Loney. By the way, I thought he was going to become a stud, but he just always ended up being like this mediocre power guy who was more batting average, and and then not, and then that even didn't even come through, and it was just kind of blah. It was so blah. Well, twenty six homers, ninety ribbies in your first full season. That's that's pushing the bar up a little bit after not hitting more than 14 in any minor league stop for Josh Bell. Uh, it did cost him some of that batting average. He only hit 255, but 2690, pretty nice. What do you think of Josh Bell at age 25? I'd love to see him, you know, lower that ground ball rate because the the 50% ground ball rate is a tad bit concerning to me. Um, and I, puts, I love the skills. Oh, heavy burden on the homer to fly ball, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's... It's just very difficult for him to sustain that kind of power level. Uh, I, I, I love him as a player, and I love I love his patience at the plate. I love his I love his uh, you know his eye. I worry about the park. I worry about the team. If the Pirates decide to just completely tear down, like he could be one of the few people left if they you know jettison out guys like Polanco and Starling Marte as they as they recoup their value this year. So that's a little bit scary to me. The the price is fair though. Like I I, I like the, I like fair. the price. So, but you I, know, I just love him as a corner. I don't I, mm-hmm. I don't know about him as a starting first but base. But this is again. exactly what I was talking about. Like the depth at first base. Like sure, it's deep. But like, how comfortable are you with a lot of these guys? There are massive question marks, and we're in what the fourth tier. Yeah, we 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 just got past pick one fifty. 
Like it's like this <laughs> is not a sudden, good place. Like whereas like outfield, like there's some decent names at 150 in outfield. It, it, it may you may want to fill that first base spot a little bit earlier than this. Exactly. You want it, and and part of it too is because the upper tier is so freaking elite. You're getting everything from them. We mm-hmm. mentioned with with Goldie, Votto, Freeman, and Rizzo, and and Bellinger. Who even though we we were shading him a little bit, they all offer even the speed along with the transcendent power. So they are just doing everything. A couple of those guys don't hit for so much average, but they make up for it with that with that speed contribution. Which nine stolen bases. I know that doesn't feel like a lot, but it moves the needle when you're getting it from first base. So even that that kind of nine to twelve contribution is is mm-hmm. pretty interesting. Um, yeah. I'm going to counterpoint a little bit on the Bell thing in terms of the lineup. I actually like that lineup. I think it's pretty solid. I, I, I'm kind of in on this Colin Moran hype train and adding Dickerson. That's two nice bats that they've got yeah. to go with there. Right. Harrison, I'm going to give Marte, you that. Polanco, and Bell. So, okay. We're, 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 we're settled there. That it's, it's solid. Again, not, a, not an elite lineup. And it's, not an elite great for, it's not great in the short side platoon, though. It Taking is not. Dickerson and Moran out of that lineup and adding David Freeze and Sean Rodriguez. Woo, doggy! But don't, th- don't there you go. Like that. Like, that's the dog. time to like attack in DFS. Yeah. Exactly, because if they are crushing righties and there's this perception, whoa, Pittsburgh's got a good lineup. It, it's going to be that, well, when they face lefties, though, they're mm-hmm. beatable because that's Polanco, too. Polanco's not going to put tune out, but he doesn't hit lefties all that well. So you're going to have Freeze, Rodriguez, and, and a struggling Polanco against lefties, and that's going to be the time to attack. That's a great call there. All right, let's move on to the next group here and get into pick 200 and beyond. Uh, Justin Bohr and Eric Thames are both going at pick 201. Let, let your mind uh, meld on that one. <laughs> Yuli Esquigariel at pick 219. Ryan Healy at 221, out with a hand injury for another couple weeks. And then uh, we'll cut it there and uh, we'll because we'll, we'll, it's another 25 picks down to the next guy there. So we're going Boar, Thames, Guriel, Healy. I mentioned Healy's hand injury is going to put him out for another few weeks here. I, I think he's going to miss some time into the season, but not that much. And then Guriel just had the, the hook of the hamate bone. I remember when this mm-hmm. injury was in vogue for a while, and uh, I think Pablo Sandoval thought it was so cool that he broke both of his mm-hmm. or had to have both of his removed. So Guriel is supposed to be out four to six weeks from about right now. And so that's you know that's going to bleed into the season, cost him a couple weeks there, add another week for his suspension for being a dick, mm-hmm. and um, you know I forgot that about that. Oh my yeah, god, yeah. And it doesn't, you know, I still think it was the easy way out for them because they didn't have to lose him because mm-hmm. he was crushing in the playoffs. It, honestly, a one game in the playoffs would have been more than five games here. But it is another week that you have to think about. Uh, in addition to this, so you're looking at probably about three to w- three weeks, maybe four, um, in season. Because the timetable is just the first timetable. We don't always know. And Jason Kled has taught me to be cautious on timetables. So I'm planning for like a month when you add in the suspension as well. I'm thinking late April, and we start in late uh, March this year, so about a month. That pushes Marwin back to first probably, and then opens up some outfield uh, for like a Derek Fisher, like a Jake Marisnik. People are talking maybe Kyle Tucker could impress enough, so that's interesting there. Uh, but what do you think of uh, Gurriel? We'll get to the others in a moment. What do you think of Gurriel with this injury and suspension now? Is he someone you're completely fading? Yeah, I'm fading him. I just, I, I'm fading those whole, this whole tier, actually. Just, I'm, I'm skipping this whole tier. I'll go get, I'll go address another position. Uh, 
I am too. Yeah, I just because... there's too many question marks with Thames's playing time, with yes. Boar's lineup, with Healy's uh, hand, and now Guriel has got a hand issue, and it's not like he's got a ton of power to begin with. So if like that's, it affects his power more, coach, yeah. yeah, then he's like really just a batting average only guy. Uh, yeah, and Full then fade. yeah, I'm fading fading the whole section. All right, let's just jump to the next one then. No, no need to spend time on, on a group that we're fading entirely. Thames, the only one I would have liked until until the um, the point that you brought up, the playing time. Because they still have not moved Domingo Santana, mm-hmm. he could really lose a lot of playing time. And I'm not even certain that he fully, fully holds the strong side platoon. I think he'll mostly hold it, but it's no guarantee because they got Ryan Braun at first base on roster resource right now. And then, and then Yelich, Kane, and Santana. And Thames is not going to push Santana out of the lineup. Santana's a full-timer, or at least should be, I think. So, um, yeah, it's a full fade on that group. Let's jump down. Chris Davis with a C, 245. Jose Martinez, 253. It is another big jump here, but I'm going to go ahead and loop Yonder Alonso in at 285 just so we get three guys here because then it's another big jump to pick 302, which we'll get to in a moment. So Chris Davis, Jose Martinez, Yonder Alonso. Um, Chris Davis. Everyone in the universe uh, is bunting for home runs. It's so easy to hit home runs. So, of course, he hits 26 and ties his six-year low. And, of course, you know your boy was bought in on it. Mm -hmm. And this is why I freaking hate this guy. (laughs) Because when he was beasting out, I was suspect. I was really suspect after the big 2015. I I respected what he did. I I didn't doubt that season because we we'd seen it in 2013 but but his 2014 showed the volatility and i was worried about another fall off in 16 so he's going the other way he's supposed to be an odd number guy but uh he didn't follow his pattern he had two bum years in a row do you think a 32 year old chris davis can rebound in baltimore and get back to uh let's say 240 35 and and then I don't know the context numbers because I don't know how good that lineup's going to be. Let's just call it 85 on both. What do you think of Chris Davis? Yeah, I think he can do that. Like, uh, there's no reason. Like, there was no drastic change in skills. It was just a bad year. And I don't know if maybe there were some underlying injury issues. Uh, but this is the kind of thing you get with a guy like this. And one of yep. the reasons why I hate, like, I hate trying to, like, project out averages for people because you know he's gone his averages in the last four seasons 196 262 221 215 i'm not trying to project his average and this is why i devalue it um, when well, it was 286 the year before that so yeah. if you if you did on the whole five-year thing there's two that are like really good batting averages for him and then three nightmarish ones and it's because he clubs the ball so much that he can get a good batting average in a given year but he's also a, a fly ball guy and if it's not quite going his way and he's not getting the line drives then it can be a lot of outs there's a lot of swing and miss so it puts a lot of um a lot of burden on his at bats since he's giving away a lot of play to well not giving them away but you know giving a lot of mm-hmm. them away in terms of batting average because he's getting on base via the walk with a 12 percent walk rate he only played so, 128 games last year what did he miss time with being a dickhead i don't know i can't remember so mad like i was so excited about drafting him because i felt like his price was down a little bit and i was like this guy's been killing it this is time to drive dive in he missed time oh oblique oblique i just wrote this up yesterday i should have remembered because he's on my all bum team i did an all bum team guys that were being drafted pretty high in the top 100 last year had bad years and kind of assessed them a little bit for for the upcoming season 
I don't hate him, but he was not one of my major picks from it. Um, I, 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 I did the team and then said, here's the ones I actually really like. And I, I can, like I said in the, in the piece, I can still see myself slotting him at CI with a mid, mid teens pick in 15 teamers. But, um, I, I I don't love it. There's other options I could go with, including the other two guys in this group, Jose Martinez and Yonder Alonso. Martinez is another playing time risk, but you gotta love the talent. He he. he speaking of guys who smoke the ball, he was crushing it. Statcast darling. Um, what do you think of Martinez out in San, uh, out in St. Louis? Excuse me. You know, I keep waiting for them to make a move on a Mustakis or or someone to block him. Uh. Because I, I just don't, like I I do not trust Mike Matheny. Like I just do not. That's so fair. <laughs> like he just walks in and he's like, "I need Steve Balboni." Yeah, Mike, he's not in the league anymore. What the hell are you talking about? I swear, I heard a lot about Steve Balboni last year. Are you talking about Mike Mustakis? He broke Steve Balboni's record. Yes, give me that guy. <laughs> God, you're lucky. You're good looking. Get the hell out of my office. <laughs> like it's, to me, it was shocking when the Cardinals traded away Piscotti and, and Grechuk. Because they actually made room to give Tommy Pham every day at bats. Because they right? didn't want to do it last year while he was killing the league. They didn't want to when he um, was like the best player in baseball for a spell. So I mean, I I kind I love the value where he's going right now because there's no real investment that you have to make in him. I mean, all these guys actually, I really like the fact that you don't have to pay much at all for him. Uh, you yeah, the know, risk is built in. Like, I don't believe he can keep up, you know, exactly what we saw last season, but I don't see any reason why he can't get 450 to 500 plate appearances, hit 15 to 20 home runs. Okay. You know? I mean, the thing of it is, with that, you know, you, you could realistically, like, the 300 average can certainly maintain, but he hit 14 homers. In three three hundred seven plate appearances, twenty uh, percent strikeout rate, ten percent walk rate, like really nice stuff for three hundred seven plate appearances. But he is twenty eight, so it's a late bloomer thing for Jose Martinez. That is such a Cardinals thing, by the mm-hmm. way. They always find these guys and and get these late bloomers. But sometimes they can get overexposed when they do get their their uh, five hundred plate appearances too. So it's it, it's not all uh, rainbows and unicorns with Martinez. But again, it's built into the price. So. If if you're if you're dealing with somebody who's super pessimistic on him and, and wants to be the hipster that's not not bought in because he is a little bit of a darling, then you just counter by saying yes. That's why I get Jose Martinez this late. You can't. I, I hate when people double punish for things. Mm-hmm. When something's already built into the price, you can't then say, well, yeah, what about this? Well, no shit. <laughs> that's why he's picked two fifty three. Like it happens mostly with injury. You know, some guy that you really like is 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 pick one eighty, and you're gushing over how good he could be. He could play as like a top eighty guy if he stays healthy. Yeah, but what about the health? That's why I'm getting him a hundred picks later than his true talent. You dumb idiot. He's perfect and, in daily moves leagues. Like I don't want him in a yes, weekly league. Like that's a, a great call. a weekly league where he could get randomly sat because Mike Matheny, you know, <laughs> got a dirty look or he stepped on a sneaker <laughs> or something like, you know, and he, 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 he sits out with yeah. somebody else with the last name Martinez and he's he, going to take it out on Jose. Yeah. He wasn't being a good teammate that day or something, you know, all, all the yeah, things all that called away. Exactly. You, you know, like in daily moves leagues, I love him because, uh, I mean, he crushed left-handed pitching. Really, really short uh, uh, sample uh, last year, but just destroyed left-handed pitching. 
uh, seven home runs, 407 average in, in uh, 59 at bats. So, uh, DFS God too, yes. right? Mm-hmm. For the same reasons is that you can kind of slot him in when you want. So I definitely agree with that. Um, I try not to be in too many daily moves leagues because I will just I will lose to the folks that have the time Me. to to be in on it all the time. Me. And yeah. I here's the thing: the funny thing is, I have the time. I need to just be more diligent in my daily moves leagues. Um, but I don't. I only play a couple, so they kind of get. Uh, they kind of get lost in the shuffle. I'm like, wait, this is daily moves. I don't have to just go check it on Saturdays and, and put in all my moves. So, um, yeah, absolutely agree on Jose Martinez that if you can slot him in and, and manage to the whim of Mike Matheny, you're going to get your best value. Uh, Yonder Alonso goes out to Cleveland, the best park he's ever played in. Well, Cincinnati was good too, but he barely played there mm-hmm. in 2010, 2011. So, uh, be- again, before we get comments on that, I will acknowledge, yes, Cincinnati was great. But the best part that he's going to be a full-timer, you know, mainstay in. And he popped 28 homers last year. It was a first-half, second-half thing. Some of his gains started to slip in the second half. I think part of that is just, you know, you completely changed who you were. Mm-hmm. And holding it for six months, it, it, it can be tough. You fell back into some old patterns. Uh, he still hit for good average in those two months at least. And even – here's the crazy thing about um, – uh, Alonzo, he hit six homers in August and September combined. That would still be a good season for the power that he used to put up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did it in two months. So even if he, he falls down from the 28, and let's let's chop off eight. Let's be aggressive and just say he only hits 20. 270 and 20 as your corner in a good lineup, so you're going to get good context numbers. I think that's really good, and I think that's pessimistic because I, I I truly believe that he could pop thirty plus. Yeah, I and I I don't understand why he's going this late. I people don't believe in it. I I, I get that, but I mean he sh- like you show a skill, you own it. It's, it's oh absolutely. You know, it's the old Ron Chandler you know moniker. It's like the like you're you're gonna take him over uh, a Ryan Healy or. Uh, well, the, the, the whole tier that we just said. Yeah. The like Bohr, Thames, Guriel, Healy tier, and even Chris Davis with the C. I think I'd rather have Yonder. Yeah. No, I, I would think too. I would I, because the batting average risk isn't there. Lineup, and I, I, that lineup is going to be great. Oh, absolutely. I, re- I really like that lineup. They could use one more outfielder. I still think that they're a match with uh, with Milwaukee for a trade, although Danny Salazar getting hurt doesn't help that. Because um, mm-hmm. it could have been Salazar or maybe a Bauer that could have uh, worked in the deal for if them. If you're not going to gonna use Francisco Mejia behind the plate in the major leagues, trade him trade to him. an organization that will. Yep, and get yourselves an outfielder because uh, it is still a little sketchy with with Brantley's health, um, Zimmer's inexperience, and and Chisenhall's Chisenhallness. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, he's such a platoon guy. But they are going to go Chisenhall guyer, and that's actually it, it's not sexy, but it is a good platoon. They both crush their respective platoons, so um, that could be good. But yeah, I like Alonzo. I, I again, the downside is built in to the price very nicely, and there is still thirty plus homer upside. I, I truly believe that uh, he keeps that fly ball change and has a full season of it in a great park. Boom. Good stuff there, and he gets to fucking pick on uh, Mike Fires all year, and so that's like that's fifteen homers right there, just facing the Tigers with Mike Fires and Jordan Zimmerman. So there you go. Um, all right, next group, we're out, we're out in pick three hundred now, so we're really just kind of getting quick thoughts on these. We already talked about Logan Morrison; he's at three hundred two. Rewind. Uh, you did just listen to us talk about him, so rewind if you really need to hear us talk about him again. Three hundred three for Brandon Belt, Ryan McMahon, three ten. 
Uh, big jump down, but I'm going to group them in anyway. Wilmer Flores at 363, Colin Moran at 395, and CJ Crone at 397, and then we'll throw Mitch Moreland in at 399 before we get into the uh, the super flyers. So we're spanning a hundred picks here with these guys, but I, I don't think there's a terrible amount of difference. Let's start with your guy out in San Francisco, Brandon Belt. How, even though you might like him on your team, how badly do you wish he played in a different park? I've hated Brandon Belt for a long time. Oh, you hate Brandon Belt, oh, yeah. so you're a bad person. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know like I, I, I know that people call me a Giants homer, but I, I'm super critical of, of my team, my players. Uh yeah, he needs to be in a different park. That, that having to hit into that right field area, into that triples alley, it just destroys his value. Um and I don't think he's particularly special outside of OBP leagues to begin with. Um But if but if he was like you hold that against him, you don't just say it's all park related. I don't think it's all park related. I mean, is, are are his road splits that much more impressive? Not really. He's a Longhorn. He can do no wrong. I don't no. understand what you're talking about right now. This is a guy that you know. We a lot of people in the industry. I don't want to say we because I've I've never been a fan of him. Um, a lot of people in the industry always thought that okay, he he's shown the ability to hit hit for average, and he started to show that he's he could hit for power at some point he's going yeah. to put it all together and i just think the only way he's ever going to hit for power obviously especially in san francisco but just in general is if he sacrifices some of that average mm-hmm. and so i don't think you're ever going to get we were ever going to get a special player and now you talk about concussion issues that are starting to crop up that ended uh more nose career um Kosky. you know you talk about the giants wanting to play buster posey more at first base that's one of the reasons they re-signed nick hunley um you know they're not going to put him in the outfield now uh, anymore. Yeah, now that yeah, well, that it was happened. it was bad, but you know now that they've got some outfielders, you know, in McCutcheon and uh, Austin Jackson, um, and they're able to move Pence over to left, they're not going to play him in the outfield. I just don't know how he gets to 500 at bats. Yeah, I've always liked him as a as a real life player, and and again, understood that Brandon Belt's park really crushes him. But unless the park changes and it's not, then there's no reason to uh, really be that excited about his fantasy prospects. You talk about a James Loney type, um, you know, he, he maybe he's the guy now because he's never hit for more mm-hmm. than 20 homers and he regularly has a good That's batting. It. He only hit yeah. 241 last year. But yeah, I think Belt is the era's uh, James Loney type where you say, yeah, for first base, it's just tough. And I agree with you on the on the road stuff. Although I will say the last two years on the road has been really good, 864, 871. Um, but even that, if you just doubled them, uh, you're still only talking about a low 20s homer guy. Yeah. It's not even like he's been putting up 15 homers on the road each year and saying, well, if he was if he was out of that park, he could maybe hit 30. So I agree. Uh, I just don't think you should hate him. You should hate the park. Hate the park, not the player. The park right? That's is the beautiful. No, the park is the great. park is absolutely beautiful. The food's awesome. You know, it, it's, it's amazing. It is tricky though if you don't live there. If you're just going out to visit, you might go in July, but if you don't take a jacket, you're going to regret it. Oh yeah, yeah. Especially no, if you're it, me. And if you're sitting out of the bleachers, make sure you bring sunblock. Yes, absolutely. You got to be prepared, but it's a fantastic park um, to be at to watch games at. But it's it's hell on lefties that don't have transcendent power. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so McMahon, Ryan McMahon, 
I know roster resource has a pencil in at first base. I don't know what's the latest. Are they saying that he, he's, he's, gonna he's play having first? a really nice spring training? If Ooh. you want to buy into spring training stats, you know people will because he's a Rocky. So, mm-hmm. and he's a former top prospect. <sighs> yep. So he's the apparently the front runner, which means Ian Desmond will stay out in the outfield, which is fine. I don't think that that's like. Um, going to like kill Desmond or anything. Mm. I don't think his injuries are necessarily chronic. So they're going to go um, Blackman, Desmond, and then Para. And Para will probably be platooned with with somebody. Although Tapia is a lefty too. So I don't know. anyway, that's outfield stuff. But it does open the door right now for McMahon to be the everyday first baseman. Even if he bats 7-8 um, in, in Colorado, that could be huge. He's a big power guy. Doesn't he run a, a touch as well? Or am I crazy on that? I, I don't know the answer to that. Uh, I'm going to look it up. But you tell me what you think on Ryan McMahon uh, as a potential starting first baseman and whether or not you're investing here at this low, low price. Okay. So this is a guy who lost a lot of his prospect pedigree because he had a season in which he struggled. This was also – it was a season in which uh, the minor league team, minor league affiliate team that he was playing for uh, did not have a home stadium. So they played every single oh, game yeah. on the road. That was insane. Uh, and everybody dropped him in the ranks, and then came, he's come back. He's recovered. Uh, he, he's been great in the minor leagues. You know, obviously, you know, playing in places like Colorado Springs helps. Uh, but you know, this is uh, uh, ten, ten stolen bases per six hundred plate appearances. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, little, a little, little bit of speed. Yeah, eleven um, last year and five nineteen. Eleven for fourteen too. So he's not just high volume, crappy runner. He 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 was pretty good. Yeah, no, so like I actually out of this grouping, this is a guy I I'm willing to take a shot on because I think there's some real upside. Like this, there's some. Uh, I don't want like people to like overreact to what I'm about to say, but like there's some Bellinger esque upside. Oh, Ryan McMahon is Cody Bellinger. Justin Mason just said it. Buy Cody Bellinger's 2017 numbers and put them on Ryan McMahon. Book it. He'll pay your entry fee if you don't win your league. But right? well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> obviously. Okay, let's do this. By the way, though, before we get any much any further on McMahon, if he wins this job, there's no way he's going to be 310. So move him up a hundred picks, sure. and he gets back into the tier that we that we shaded the the Bohr, Thames, Ulyaski, uh, Healy tier. Are you still buying McMahon if he has the starting job in tow? Are you still buying him at pick 200? Yes. I think I am too, yeah, because we hated that tier anyway. Look at the bench in Colorado. There are no right-handed bench bats. Exactly. Like, so it's not like they're going to platoon him. And there are other guys that are a risk, other left-handed guys, like you mentioned in Para, that are a risk of platooning anyways. I think if they decide to give him this job, um, and I mean, at this point, you would think, why wouldn't they? Um, yeah. I think there's a real shot that he. Uh, yeah, that he could really break out. I mean, it, it's Colorado, um, and there's just there isn't much price attached to it. It's like why not take the upside of a guy that could potentially go like twenty five home runs, ten stolen bases, uh, hit two eighty. Yeah, with good context numbers. Even if he bats seventh, you can get yeah. you can still get some pretty good context numbers. Seventy seventy five runs RBIs each. Yes, definitely. I'll take that at pick three hundred or even at pick two hundred. I'm in. And, um, you know, I, I was waiting to see. This is why they didn't do a Lomo or a Hosmer thing. Everyone kept kind of putting the, the, the free agent first baseman on their team. Um, and 
they they said no, and this is this is why I think because they were saying you know what we got McMahon, and if it doesn't work, we'll put Desmond at first, and then put a Tapia, or um, if David Dahl can can actually get healthy, then they have that. But they have moves if it doesn't work too, so they're not boxed in to where they have to put Pat Velika in as their starting first baseman if McMahon isn't mm-hmm. in fact ready. But I think there's a lot of reason to believe that he's ready to it, even if he doesn't go to the quite the high level that we just gave him, there's still a lot of wiggle room there to where they can be comfortable starting him and batting him seventh in a quality lineup. So I'm in on the McMahon hype. Let's get it going. Um, if I get him anywhere this near this 310, sign me up. But even as he inches up and can get up as high as 200, which is actually his min pick right now, 202, I'm still in. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the lower guys there, when we jump down to the 360s, it was Wilmer Flores, Colin Moran, CJ Crone. And Mitch Moreland. I mentioned that I like Colin Moran. He made a big, some big swing changes. Pedigree guy had, was the number six overall pick. It's not a great park, but it's also it's not going to be the end of the world. It's not like you have to hit five homers there. I think he can he can be a twenty something homer guy, but also with a decent average because that was kind of his calling card was hit tool coming up. And so uh, I do think that that his newfound power is going to eat up some of the batting average in the majors, although he did hit 301 with 18 yaks in 82 games last year, which is really nice. Obviously, we're not just extrapolating that because that would be too dangerous. But if I get 280 and 23, that's amazing. That, I mean, that's a, that's an upside for Colin Rand. That's not that's not the projection. Mm-hmm. But I do think it's in range, and, and they're going to give him all the playing time in the world. They traded their freaking ace for him. This is going to be a guy that they give playing time to. I like Colin Moran as a, even more so as a utility than a, than a corner, um, because if you kind of rank the roster spots in terms of, I, I guess they're all they should probably be treated all the same. But I I kind of view them as first base corner than utility mm-hmm. in terms of the, the the quality of guys. So I would like him as a utility. What do you think of Colin Moran? Yeah, I'm. I'm maybe not as high on him as you are, but I'm not as low on him as like depth charts and steamers is. I kind of like what the fans have done. 17 home runs, 276, 336, 448. Yeah, yeah, I like that That's too. Again, I, I, fair. I, I threw out an upside. I like this as a solid as a solid mark, and that's for 500 plate appearances. Again, as a utility, sign mm-hmm. me up. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I mean, there's still room for growth. I mean, it seems like Colin Moran has been around forever because he kind of has. Uh, but he's still only 25 years old. Speaking of been around forever, Wilmer Flores, you might think he's like 32. He's 26 because he was signed at age nine and first hit prospect lists at the ripe age of 12. Okay, it's not true, but it's it's damn close, close. Yeah, he was signed at sixteen. He was on prospect lists at seventeen. He has been around forever. There's a lot of fatigue. Here's the thing: once the Todd Frazier signing happened, that really cut the legs mm-hmm. out from from the potential here. The Adrian Gonzalez thing is whatever because it's a league minute. Like I don't even worry about that. If Wilmer Flores forced his way to uh, to eat up some right-handed plate appearances. He could push Adrian Gonzalez to the bench. But I think that Todd Frazier is definitely starting. So is Cabrera, um, as Drupal Cabrera at second. And so first base is his only spot right now, and they've got him platooning with Adrian Gonzalez. There was some nice stuff last year, 18 homers and 362 plate appearances with a 271 average. But it, it just it's a role player, isn't it? It's never going to be the full-time guy with Wilmer Flores, right? Speaking of mot like intensity or hatred, like it's just why do the Mets like like 
you, you remember when he was supposed to get traded for Carlos Fake Gomez? Trade. Yes. And he started and crying on the field. Do you think like now he's like crying because he's still on the Mets? Yes. Like and give the kid a shot. They signed 36-year-old Adrian Gonzalez to take his playing time. Mm-hmm. And I know, again, I know it was league minimum, so I honestly, I don't even think that that was the worst gamble in the world, just to see if maybe there's anything left. Uh, he, was a, he was a disaster last year. I, I, I understand that. I'm not saying Adrian Gonzalez is... We haven't even talked about him yet. That's, that's how low he's mm-hmm. being drafted, and we're in pick 400. But um, they just do not give a crap about Wilmer Flores. But man, here's the, the thing. The only person they, they care him- less about is Dominic Smith. Right. Well, I can't stand Dominic Smith, so I actually agree with him on that one. But isn't he just a left-handed Wilmer Flores of like, hey, we're just going to kind of jerk you around for a decade. Have fun. Um, With Flores, maybe it's a situation where nobody knows him better than this team. And maybe they say, you know what? We just know that he's... He's a he's a four fifty max sort of guy. And he hasn't even he's only done that once, five ten back in twenty fifteen, and then three thirty five, three sixty two the last two years. Maybe that's just is what he is. Um does he have dual eligibility? Yeah, he he does have first and third. So there is that, but eh, I got nothing. You got anything else on Wilmer? No, I mean I think this is just one of those situations in which He's not good enough defensively to hold down any spot, um, yeah, and so yeah, and so like they just they don't want him to be a liability in places. But like at some point, like either either give the kid a chance to play full time or trade him to an organization that will. Because there's got to be an organization out there that wants a cost controlled twenty six year old guy who just put up eighteen home runs. In less than 400 plate appearances. Yeah, because they still got, they would have this here and next, but yeah. I don't know. They like hanging on to him. Um, CJ Crone, you, you in on him at all after moving to Tampa Bay to get more playing time? You know, the more and more I think about it, the less and less I'm interested. I think that's completely fair. Let's move on. Mitch Moreland, um, I know he has the platoon advantage. I don't think he's the guy in Boston to start. I think Hanley Ramirez gets the opportunity to see if he can be Hanley Ramirez, and then if the injuries uh, or just underperformance uh, strikes, then Moreland gets in. But I think right now Moreland is a a fill-in, you know, bench bench back kind of guy. What do you think? Uh, I think he is there to make sure Hanley Ramirez doesn't get to 497 plate appearances. Exactly to to strategically keep him at four four ninety five. We're gonna pay you four million or whatever we decide to pay you, so that way we don't have to pay Hanley twenty two million next year. Correct, uh, and you know the only way that that's not the case is if Hanley gets back to Dodgers Hanley. Like mm-hmm. he has, yeah, it has to be that good. Even like an eight forty OPS, which would be a solid Hanley. That's did you not hear? Did you hear his bold prediction though? No, what did he say? He said he's going thirty thirty this year. Dude, I would love it. I've always been a Hanley fan, Me but too. He, he's drunk. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. I w- again, I'm I'm here for it. Sign me the mm-hmm. hell up. But let's see. How many years do I have to put in this little profile here to see how 30 stolen bases? Oh, literally four years. It's, it's, it's taken the last four years for him to steal 30, and now he's going to go 30-30 this year. I guess he's getting 2,115 plate appearances. Because that's how long it took him to get 30 stolen bases in the last four years. Um, again, I'm here for it. 
if he can do it, but I'm not holding my and breath. And I've got shares of Hanley, too. Like I, so, so do I, and I will have a couple more. I, I was going to say, let's bring him up real quick because he is DH only. Mm-hmm. So let me find his ADP, and we'll kind of compare. Uh, okay, so he's actually around where we're talking, 333. So he's right in this group of, of the other guys. Um, so you are open to getting shares of Hanley? Sure. I mean, he's a season removed from going – 30 uh, home runs, nine stolen bases with 111 RBIs. I mean, like that's, Sick. you know, he went 286, 361, 505 in 2016. The skill set is still there. It's it, all about health. Yeah, and he's going to, he's going to, you know, he's going to play first. He should, you know, I mean, if he can stay healthy and, you know, like I said, they're not going to let him get over 500 plate appearances. So we're, we're talking about a guy who's probably got an upside of, 25 home runs and seven stolen bases but every would, little tinge gets a 10-day rest yeah and, and lucky him if he's absolutely murdering the ball and we're talking about a guy who's on like a 35 home run pace do you think the red sox are going to sit him in favor of mitch moreland while they're trying to compete for the division or a wild card spot no they're, they're gonna no. continue to play him so you know but, 22 but million ha- sucks to give up for him but they'll do it it has to be that though to, mm-hmm. to get the 500 or else it is going to be a little bit uh, finagled there. And like I said, every little tweak, it's like, oh, we got to put him on the 10-day. I can play through it. No, you can't. Grab a seat. Um, and then all of a sudden he ends up with, with 494 and it's like, oh, dang it, dude. You, you know, we just saw this. You, did you know that if you had played three more plate appearances, you would have gotten 22 mil vested? <laughs> That's crazy. We just saw this here on September 30th. Dang. If, if only we had known. Sorry, Hanley. <laughs> uh, all right. So last group here. I'm not even going to give the numbers. They're all free. You pick pick two that you might be interested in in deeper leagues. Joe Maurer, Chase Headley, Dom Smith, Mark Reynolds without a team still, Lucas Duda, Matt Adams, Adrian Gonzalez, Luis Valbuena, and I'll stop there. I'm boring people. Um, oh, Let's see. I'm going to go with Matt Adams. I dig it. Because I don't believe that Ryan Zimmerman will play two complete seasons in a row. Correct. And that is one of the most dangerous lineups in all of baseball. Agreed. And um, I'm going to go with Joe Maurer because he still has batting average, and finding batting average mm-hmm. that late is difficult. Yes, it, it, it's powerless, but uh, that's okay. I'm getting, you know, you're getting flawed players at pick 400. This just in, guys. Um, so batting average is very difficult to find late if you're getting a bunch of those power only guys if you're getting your lucas dudas uh there on your reserve roster throw a joe mauer on there and uh, he can be a, he can be a batting average stabilizer even if he doesn't hit 305 again i think a, a healthy joe mauer is going to hit 280 kind of guaranteed and then the worst case is 261 which is what he hit in 16 you know he's been he, you're going to get 260 to 270 on a worst case and you're going to get 300 on a best case all right let's move over to third base Guys, you love the long episodes, and you're getting one because we just hit like the two-hour mark, and we didn't even start third base yet. <laughs> we'll be a little bit more uh, expedient here. Let's start at the top. I'm actually just going to say Arenado by himself because then it's all the way down to mm-hmm. the end of the first round. He stands alone. The cheese stands alone at at pick five. Uh, he's my number three pick. I understand you know, going as low as five or six, but I can't really go much further than that. This dude is an absolute monster, and I still 
think there's an MVP caliber season in there. Not that he hasn't already had some that would be worthy of MVP votes, but I still could easily see a um, a 45, 130, 330 sort of season. Like everything goes right, Babip shoots through the roof, and he just goes out of his mind. Nolan Arenado, where is he on your board? Four. Okay, but, I mean, yeah. I, yeah, you can make the argument he should be three, especially because I think there's a huge, again, you know, we're talking about, uh, you know, first base, you know, not maybe being as deep as people want to make it out to be. I think third base has some huge drop-offs as well um, and get and gets ugly at, at, at certain points. So, um, whereas I think shortstop might actually be deeper and it out-earned uh, third base last season. Oh, wow, that's interesting. Well, here's another thing with, with, with third base is that um, some of the best third basemen who we're actually right about to get into are likely to be used elsewhere mm-hmm. um, in a lot of scenarios. now, maybe, Which I don't think they should be, actually. I, I would actually agree with that, but I think that that's going to be the initial mm-hmm. desire, and then you're going to get deeper in your draft. You'll be like, uh, actually, let me slot Jose Ramirez back at third base. Let me put Alex Bregman here back at third base. But let's, without further ado, jump into that group. And it's Chris Bryan at pick 14, Manny Machado, another one who doesn't currently have shortstop eligibility, but will have it very soon. At pick 18, Jose Ramirez at pick 19, Josh Donaldson at 29, and Alex Bregman at 31. Uh, so this is second, third round picks. Who's your favorite of the bunch? It Josh Donaldson. Well, who've got? Uh, I want to say it's Josh Donaldson because of the price discount. Speed. He's being slept on a little bit, like, man. That dude was a he was a top seven pick MVP. before this year. I mean, like I, I don't he was MVP Donaldson in the second half. Yeah, and it's like and he like we're not talking about a guy who has like a history of injury issues. Dude played every game of every season virtually for four years. Yeah, for four years in a row, he comes into the season with a calf issue. It just lingers. He finally goes on DL and gets. Uh, uh, you know, gets healthy, and then, like you said, vintage Donaldson, rest of the way. It's so, like, why are we taking him this late? Like, again, this is further proof of how deep the first and second rounds are. Yes. So, like, if I can, like, start with Mike Trout or Jose Altuve and, 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 and get Donaldson. <laughs> like, Donaldson pitcher with, yeah. with your two or three. Oh, my gosh. Like, I, got, I took Altuve at the second spot in, in the Invitational League, in my Invitational League. If Donaldson falls to me, I, I'm going to be stoked. Absolutely. I desperately want to get at least one, one big Donaldson share. So in one of my leagues that, um, you know, Let's be honest. We kind of rank our leagues, right? You know, uh, uh, in sure. order of importance. And uh, it was too. I was picking too late to get him in the invitational, but I have Bryant anyway. But uh, in maybe in NFBC main, maybe in uh, in tout something. I want to get Josh Donaldson because I don't want to be left out in the cold because I do think this is uh, a pretty sharp discount. And I know it doesn't feel like a major difference from say pick eighteen to twenty nine. But I've explained like up at the upper rounds. Go look at Google NFL draft pick value chart, mm-hmm. and you'll see these like crazy valuation differences in what is like three or four picks away. That's how I see the first few rounds of of fantasy baseball. Like it, it, it really has these these big shifts, and then it really starts to cluster. So I think getting Josh Donaldson at twenty nine, as opposed to having to pay early second round you know 17 18 is a big big discount and i love him so i i 
I think Bryant's still my favorite of the group, mm-hmm. although he costs Agreed. around more. But I absolutely love Donaldson as well. Uh, Jose Ramirez, two good years in a row now. What does he do uh, to, for – not for an encore because last year was basically the encore. But what does he do for, for the, the third year here? Is he a firm star for you? Do you have any reservation about taking him high? No, I have no reservations whatsoever. I think there, there are reasonable uh, thoughts that he should be a first-round pick. And if it wasn't for the fact that the first round and the second rounds are so stacked, I think he would be in your typical year. Yep, I agree. Um, okay, Manny Machado. I think of this group, and again, just relative to this group, I think he's a little overrated, and that's more to say about the guys behind him, the aforementioned Ramirez Donaldson um, and even Bregman, than shading Machado because he also got back on track to peak Machado down the stretch mm-hmm. after a tough start. So I don't dislike Machado, and he and he actually threw some stolen bases back too. Remember, he went 20, and we were all excited about 35-20, and then he goes 37-0. Um, and then last year, 33-9. Here's the thing, though. Get that 20 out of your mind. This team does not run. Mm-hmm. You're gonna, you can get the the nine again, or you know, seven to ten, but that's gonna be it. And um, plus, he has two bunk knees too, so it's not like he should be running all that much. But he is just 25. He's a true power stud. Um, weirdly, he's never had 100 ribbies. Does he get his first 100 ribby season this year? Mm, no, not not in Baltimore. Yeah, they're not they're not very good. And uh, once again, like he stole nine bases. That was one third of the total amount of bases the Orioles stole. They only stole thirty two bases last year as a team. What the hell, dude? That is hilarious. Bucks, like I dare, I dare you to steal base. Well, wh- why would you with the way that roster is constructed? That's I true. mean, they're, they're always constructed in a way that it makes no sense. You know, and like so. If Machado, like, there was part of me early on in the draft, he's like, man, if Machado gets moved out of Baltimore, more than likely he's going to go to a worse park. I don't know if I like that, but maybe he gets a chance to steal a base or two if he gets moved. So, like, you're kind of hoping that at some point the ownership group there realizes that this team is garbage, that they're not going to compete this year. Bro, they got Andrew Cash. What are you talking about? (laughs) Ready to go. Oh, man, I just, I just, you know, like, they've got to move. They've, they've just got to move the pieces that'll take anything or get anything back and kind yeah, of replenish really this farm system. It. I know that's your star, but uh, you're in a spot where you have no minor league system and you've only got a couple like real foundational pieces at the big league level, one of whom is only there for one more year and is almost guaranteed to be leaving. Oh, he's totally gone. got to move. What, are you going to take the second-round draft pick for him? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's bad. They they and they still could. You know, they got this year, and they, they could still get a nice uh, haul in June or July as well. But I think you really could have done some damage, um, you know, and really impacted your farm system if you trade him at the beginning of the year and give teams that are acquiring him a full year of Manny Machado, uh, which could also have probably a better chance to result in maybe th- that team resigning him. You can kind of sell them on that idea. Hey, you're going to have a full year. You maybe bring him in, and and he wants to stay, something like that. But they're going to go with it, so good luck. I, I, I'm I passing on him because of the guys behind him, not mm-hmm. so much anything against him. Uh, Bregman, up at 31. I took him third round in Arizona uh, at the very end there. I think that was pick... I'm doing my 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 rounds right. That would have been pick 45, um, and now he's up at 31. So, 
I'm just saying. I think people I'm, were calling that a reach when you when you made that pick too. They were just saying I'm a trendsetter, no big deal, guys. No, I, I, I took him around pick 40 in a early draft Champions League, and I felt really gross about that. And so, like again, like we we need the like this is escalated a little quickly uh, the drop here. Yeah, because uh, 31, oh. like. Again, I took yeah, I took him. Oh, I I just looked up the picture on my uh, phone, but the ADP I'm on it on the right side it lists for that draft, and I could have just looked on the screen, and instead I pulled up a picture from November. <laughs> cool life, Paul. So yeah, I picked him pick forty five, which like you said was getting a little shade at the time. I was happy with it, even though I knew it was kind of a plant the flag, and now he's around higher, which is a, a lot. And I, but I really do like him, so it's like one you of those You ruin things everything. I, I do ruin everything. I try. I do it. I do the best I can to ruin everything. I thought 45 was cool, but now you got to pay pick 30. I probably won't get him anywhere. And again, it's less about him and more about about people behind him. But uh, what do you think of Bregman as, as, as in terms of a stat line? What 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 do you think we're going to see this year? I think we could see a Jose Ramirez esque stat line if things come together for him. That's good. That's a good, good comp. You good know, comp. I, I don't think the average. I don't think he's like a three hundred hitter, but I think, and I, and I do think the average maybe takes a step back. But I think, like, I don't think twenty twenty is out of the, you know, out of the wheelhouse for a guy like this. So twenty mm-hmm. twenty twenty at two eighty. Well, with good context, uh, because that lineup is, is yeah, stout. he's gonna yeah, he's gonna hit the he's gonna hit in the top of that lineup. I mean. So we're talking about a guy who could potentially score a hundred runs and you know seventy-five RBIs. That's a yeah. pretty damn good number. Now, I mean, there's always like you know, like you always mention, uh, you know, prospects can take a step back. We saw it with Carlos Correa in his second second season took a step back. And so then, yeah, and then and, jump forward. Yeah, so um, I mean, like there there is obvious risk. I feel his floor is safer than. Other guys who are young going around this spot, like his floor is much safer than Bellinger's. I'd rather have his 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 skill set at his price than take a Bellinger at his price. Same Bregman over Bellinger, um, especially when I'm saving six sure. seven picks yeah. of, of of draft slot. Okay, so we feel pretty comfortable with a lot of the guys here, and the ones we don't, it's more because of the guys around them than the guy themselves with with Machado and, and Bregman specifically. Uh, all right, jumping down to pick fifty seven, he's on an island, so we will just talk about Anthony Rendon kind of by himself because then we're going to jump down almost another thirty picks. Um, I love Rendon. I think pick fifty seven is a really nice cost. And I just think he's a true stud. And you look at what Bregman's done and, and what he's projected for, and I feel like I can get the same thing out of Anthony Rendon, except he's done it for a few years now. Now, the stolen bases might not be as high, like uh, certainly not as bankable. Like He only had seven last year, 12 the year before. So it's not the same exact thing, but I also think he's a better average and um, uh, power power bet as well so the, i'm talking more about the bottom line the you know if you say this guy's a 25 dollar player then i think rendon is is a more bankable 25 dollar player he is age 28 he has had health concerns in the past but last year 147 the year before 156 so two healthy years in a row i love anthony rendon what do you think about him i, I love the skill set but i i got burnt hard 
just so hard in twenty fifteen in twenty fifteen with him. And so been there. Maybe it, maybe was... it's that, or maybe I just remember that this was a guy who's dealt with serious injuries. You know, forever. forever. Like in college, I mean, he, he the reason he wasn't the first overall pick uh, in the 2011 draft is because he kept getting hurt in college. Yes, that is a thousand percent true. He was a legitimate one-one talent, but he fell to six in Washington because of his uh, mm-hmm. because of his health. So that is worrisome. It's always kind of lingering. He is, you know, obviously getting older at age 28. But um, I'm going to bet on these skills, and I do think that some of that injury concern is built into the price. I agree. If it wasn't there, then he's a top 35 pick. So I think you're getting like a 20-pick discount. Um, I do like him. Next next jump down here goes to Justin Turner at pick 82. And then another jump down, Travis Shaw at pick 93. And then Nick Castellanos at pick 97. This is what you're talking about with the, uh, with, with, with the jump down, right? I love Turner, but then... Turner to Shaw, I think, is a pretty substantial jump, and it's only 10 picks difference or 11 picks difference. I'm going to argue that it's not that substantial of a jump. I I really like Travis Shaw. Um, YouTube's done it for one year, and I feel like I have to f- fully pay for him. to. Like I was big yeah. on Travis Shaw last year because I thought he would run in Milwaukee, and he did Power, relative to his abilities. By power, the way. speed, uh, that lineup with the guys that they just added at the top of it, uh, the park is built for him um i just he actually I, did maximize the park last year though so i wonder that which i'm saying is a, is mm-hmm. a point yeah. in his favor if he maximizes it this year it could protect any you know sort of regression especially if he maintains his road work and and, and doesn't fully regress there he had a 937 on the road and a 790 at home if he flips them okay then we're kind of right where, where we are but if he goes down to say 880 on the road but jumps to 860 at home well now now we're talking improved his contact percentage last year uh swung less outside of the zone i i i really believe in travis sean i i feel like he's actually a tad bit underrated Uh, on the flip side i'm not a justin turner guy and it's not because people say i look like him that, no, that that that's our disconnect then, because I do love Justin Turner, so maybe that's why I pumped Turner, because uh, I'm not trying to shade Shaw. I do worry that it's only been one year, but I do fully believe in Turner. What are your concerns with him? Playing time. It, it's 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 staying They're on the field. They're not going to take him out. No, it's staying on the field. Health. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 accumulating the stats to be to be as valuable as he was in in 2016. In 2015 he or 2017 he did a good job even though he only played in 130 games. I just I just were counting numbers weren't there. No, it wasn't. And I mean you're talking about a guy that you're, you know, taking in the top 80 most times. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, you know, that that's a little rich for me considering the health risks and we're not talking about a young guy. The skills are great and if you could tell me that uh, if you were guaranteeing me 145 games, I'm all in, especially because the average. The average is so beneficial. Great average, bats third in a, mm-hmm. in a stout lineup. Yeah, I, I really like him. Um, I understand. I understand the health because it's it's staring you in the face. He's only played a buck fifty uh, once in the last four. Mm-hmm. Once in his career. Well, I'm only kind of counting the Dodgers thing because before that he wasn't a good player. Yeah. So just looking at when he started to break out. He's got four years with the Dodgers. It's 109, 126, 151, 130 of the games played for Justin Turner. Yes, he gives you, you know, when he's in there at, at bat for at bat, he he stacks up with most guys. 
But uh, I agree, you know, the 70-70 runs and RBIs, that's tough. I think some of it's built into the price, but I think it's fair. And then looking at Travis Shaw, you've sold me. You've sold me. I'm, I'm open-minded. I'm an open-minded Now, maybe the guy. Dodgers play things really smart, especially with Austin Barnes uh, not being able to catch early on in the season, and they're going to have to play him more at second. Maybe they try to limit the amount of total plate appearances uh, that uh, Turner sees on a weekly basis, and See, that actually helps him stay healthy. But it would still it's still going to cut into the volume, right? It, it so does, it's, it's but like I mean, at least sword almost. You know, it's almost kind of what they like. He played 130 games last year. He still got to 543 plate appearances. That's yeah. not bad. You no, know? It's, it's it's really not. But uh, your point is well taken. Especially with this team, I, I I keep calling them the the Spurs with the, with the way they're going to manage health, mm-hmm. and I think I think they could do it with a guy like that too. It's like, hey man, we want you to get at least five hundred and thirty plate appearances, but we also need you in October. So yeah, we're not and that's the big thing. This is a team that wants to be there at the end of October, and they they need him. Yeah, uh, Turner needs to be a big part of of what they're going to do in October if they're going to. F- finally put the deal together and finish it off and win the World Series. So I do like him. I will take him here. I don't think it's some sort of sexy discount or anything. I think it's a fair price because the uh, the concerns you've outlined. But I am more in on Shaw than I was uh, just a few minutes ago. You, you, you got me sold there that uh, 93 is not bad, even with just the one year of excellence. I guess I should have, you know, because like I said, I liked him last year, so I shouldn't be shading him because I kind of expected what mm-hmm. happened. And I think sometimes that happens where it's like, Hey, he did what I expected, and now I want to run away from it. Well, why? Uh, the skills are there, and I, I, I buy it. 30, 30, 110 with a 270. And again, that was with not being great at home, which is a great, and it's a great home ballpark. So um, I like Shaw. Okay. Cassianos, uh, I'm okay with him here. I think it speaks to the drop off at the position, though. The lineup is bad, so that's going to be the tough part, um, especially if Miggy isn't healthy. Because you know you got you got the the corpse of Victor and you got Miggy in there and um, Heimer Candelario and like there, there's not a lot like even okay. Heimer Candelario is no I'm, stuff. I'm gonna, you know and like it, I, I it feels weird to push back on on, on this line of thinking because I keep hearing everybody with Castellanos going oh the lineup's going to be bad. He did his best work when the lineup was bad last year. That's true. I mean, 55 and- RBIs, 16 home runs, uh, 2.99 average in the second half. What was, what do you, so so like like don't get me wrong like lineup means something in terms of production but sometimes we overrate it and he's sure. le- and like I don't even like Castellanos I just like how dare you like I I think we're still waiting for him to be the monster that we always thought he would be and he's still young enough to do it at twenty five I worry about him playing in the outfield and that not. That carrying over to his that is interesting, yeah. You know, like he's not going to fare well in the outfield. That let's let's be honest, and maybe they, you know, and I know this may be sacri- you know, sacrilegious to say, but maybe they need to just DFA Victor Martinez and and get Castellanos DHing, or you know, or, or try him at first and put Miggy yeah, in DH. I was just about to say that. So like. So I- I said this same about by the way about the the lineup thing. I mentioned this in his player cap, which are live by the way. Player caps are live. 
go to anybody's page. Well, not anybody's, but most guys' page. And there's some that didn't get updated, and I'm trying to get those updated. Uh, the aforementioned Miggy, um, my cap for him did not transfer in the first go round, and it's still not up. I'm working on that. Don't worry, we're not uh, leaving Miggy blank. Uh, but in in Castellanos, as I wrote, he's guaranteed full time at bats in the middle of the lineup, which is always valuable, even mm-hmm. on a weaker team. Yeah. So you know, volume alone, even if it's not a, a stud team. And it's not the most out of bounds thing to say. Well, what if Cabrera and, and and Victor do stay healthy for 500 plate appearances and and perform, especially Miggy, obviously more so than V Mart. But then all of a sudden there are some more opportunities, and and Victor can drive him in. So that's fair. That's fair. I I I'm, I think with with it being a tiger and uh, and the fact that I do really like him. I try to temper myself, and mm-hmm. so that's why I bring up the fact that the lineup isn't going to be great, and I want to just cold water it a little bit. But I think he's really shown now the last two years that that he has panned out or is panning out to the guy that he was expected. He was stunted by the the hit by pitch in 2016, which limited him to 110 games. But if you look at him over the last two years. It's a 162-game average of 27.97 with a 2.77 average and 78 runs. Too bad it's not 77 runs because then there's just a shit ton of sevens there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I think Cassiano's a solid player, really solid bat. But I, I was a little jarred to see him at 97, even though I do like him. I just I didn't think that the market would be as high on him. But I think that speaks more to your point about the third-base cliff. Mm-hmm. Because now you get into Questionsville. We especially uh, we got- now with the humidor, you've got questions about Jake yeah. Lamb, Mustakas hasn't signed. You know, we got Joey Gallo talked about it first base. Mm-hmm. We know his problems. We got Miguel Sano with a quote unquote generous carriage. That's how they described him being fat. Well, which and, is- and some some serious off the field baggage. Yeah, so, like even before him being fat ass, there is the issue of <laughs> he's probably going to get suspended for this. Domestic violence situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't we have think no it, idea how for how long. Like th- exactly. there is no news on this. Exactly. So, um, what did Chapman get for his with, with, for, with forty what? games? Yeah, 50 it, was, games? It, was a, it was a big one. So I could see Sano maybe getting a month, and then the throwing that he's out of shape, and that I don't know. I've never. I've just never really been that much of a fan. Chapman like, was suspended thirty games. 30 games. So, okay. But so I mean, the same thing. and it's hard because, Chapman like, how do you. So, no, wasn't. So, maybe that's different. Well, no, Chapman. I don't think Chapman was arrested either. Arrested? Okay. Thought, he was, he was, he just had police come over his house because he fired oh, eight, on. you know, eight rounds into his garage as wall. You do, as yeah, you do. As you do. I mean, you know? <laughs> I, guys, I'm not trying to make light of it. Like, it's, it's not funny, but when. It's when actually awful. It's actually so atrocious. That, that's uh, all you can do is try to combat it with humor because you're just thoroughly disgusted so i don't want anybody to think i'm like thinking it's cool or whatever i i think it's absolutely disgusting and and i'm sorry there's never any reason to just go in the in there and fire off rounds and and terrify uh the the woman in the house like i cannot even imagine what that was like to be like, well, he's out there firing rounds. Uh, is the next one going to be at me? Anyway, sorry to bring this down. But, I, I have uh, to just interrupt with with an invitational league update. Uh oh, um, there is a dude in your league absolutely killing it right now. Um, oh, it's right. No, no, it, it's uh, Josh Coleman, Mookie Betts, 
for, uh, fourth overall, Josh Donaldson in the second round, D Gordon in the third. Oh my God, dude! We just got done talking about Donaldson too. Mm-hmm. And I I loved his bets pick by the way. I think he jumped bets right. Bets was like the fourth or fifth mm-hmm, pick. The fourth pick, yeah. And I I loved it. Um, even though I'm an Arenado guy, I would have taken Arenado. I've got no beef with bets as a top five pick. I absolutely love it. So to go bets Donaldson and then D Gordon for that speed. You got you got bets and and Gordon on your speed. Man, I can't wait to crush this guy and make him waste this great start. Mm-hmm. Good job, Josh. It's a good start, but you're still going to lose. So there, there, there is that. But no, uh, bring it back onto a positive note there. Sorry, we had to talk about negative stuff. But it is worth noting with Sano, um, even though that off the field stuff is way more important than fantasy baseball, it is going to play into fantasy mm-hmm. baseball. And I think he is going to get a suspension. He's a full no draft for me. He's off my draft board because, yes, everybody has a price. But he's never going to fall to the price that I'm willing to yeah, pay. Yeah, because we, we've talked about all these red flags. And I love Miguel Snow. I love the talent. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the you day before. Yeah, the day before the news came out about uh, this, uh, this sexual, uh, you know, alleged sexual assault, um, I took him in the third round of the, of the Rotoir Dynasty Invitational. Oh, no. Oh no! So like I was in on Sano this year, like I was a big proponent, but like we haven't even talked about the injury risk with Sano. Like there's no, serious injury risk. Yeah, he hasn't batted a hundred. He hasn't batted five hundred uh, plate appearances in any of his seasons, and yet. he's been dealing with injury already this off season. And so. he has a quote unquote generous carriage, <laughs> which is the nicest way to call someone fat I've ever heard. It's going to be a great team name, though. Oh, absolutely, absolutely going to have some generous carriage team names. I'm trying to look it up to see who who said it. Um, was it Bernardino? Carriage. I think it was the Star Tribune. It might have been Bernardino. Dude, if it was, uh, somebody named Phil Miller. Mm. I got I got to talk about it with Bernardino. I hope he comes out to uh, Folly again next year. He's been out there the last couple of years. Fun guy. Um, that's just such a funny way to say it. <laughs> anyway, um, let's move on here. You mentioned uh, – Lamb, he's going 124 right before him. Rafael Devers, 120. The unsigned Moose, 129. Eduardo Nunez, 131. And then Kyle Seeger, 138. We talked Gallo, Sano, and Lamb you briefly mentioned. I think power-only guy who's fallen off each of the last two second halves. The, uh, the first one had a wrist injury tied to it that you could blame it on this past year. Didn't really see anything. He just faded. Couldn't hit lefties to save his life, and now the humidor could rip, you know, five to seven homers from him, which for a guy like that matters. When it's when it's Goldie who does everything else under the sun, you can get around it. When it's when it's Jake Lamb, it's worrisome. I like Jake Lamb, but not at this price, so he's kind of off my board. Moose doesn't have a spot. Nunez and Seager. Uh, what do you think of the of Devers, Lamb, Moose, and Nunez? Okay, so. When we were talking about the humidor recently, was I think last week, you know, I mentioned like the, Jake Lamb has become kind of this power only guy. So if you're going to mm-hmm. take away the one thing that makes him somewhat special is you know the elite power potential. Uh, yeah, you got you got to drop him a ton. He is going like not necessarily in terms of ADP going way too late right now. Look at his max pick, one ninety two. In the last okay, two see, that's weeks. Insane. Well, that goes back to what we were just talking about, about <sighs> the humidor guys dropping. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. So, I mean, now that again, back hate in. going too far here. Um, I, 128, 
125, I can't do it. No, no. But if he starts jumping out of the top 150, like that to okay. me, like that, that's yeah. a real buying opportunity because, again, like don't get me wrong, like the, it's going to affect him. There are going to be times, but this isn't a guy who hits cheap home runs either. Like this guy, also he, a good point. Not a not a not a uh, chintzy power guy. No, this isn't like a David Peralta losing. You know some of the, uh, you know the cheapies. Like this is a guy who has really really nice exit velocity readings. Um, really drives the ball super far when he goes out of the park. So like, I I don't know if I think we're discounting him a tad bit too much. Okay. One twenty still a little too high for me. One fifty, I'm on board. Yeah, and it's two rounds, and that that can definitely be the difference. Mm-hmm. Like I'm I'm okay with that. I, my 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 out on Lamb is totally at one twenty five. But I forgot. I don't know how I forgot. We just talked about it, but I forgot about how all the Arizona guys are dropping. So yeah, if we start getting one forty or later, I come right back in. Because uh, you know I like Kyle Seager, but it's whatever. I'll take Jake Lamb out for the upside. Because there, here's the thing, too. The humidor is going to impact things. It's not going to impact everybody equally. They don't just go in and say, well, you lose six homers, you lose six homers. It might not. He might be fine. And so Jake Lamb might still go 31.05. Or maybe he doesn't just crap the bed in the second half and finds a way to pop 37 homers. You know, and and hits two sixty. So mm-hmm. there is still some upside there too. So uh, I do I do mess with Jake Lamb at a lower price, but if it stays at one twenty five, I'm out. So it's all it's very dependent on price right now, and it looks like it's leaning toward his favor. Moose not signed. We don't know where he's going to go. Atlanta's been rumored. You talked about St. Louis. Um, Yankees are, you, are still an option, I think. Um, that would be insane. It would be perfect for. And really, like all these spots are like. Obviously, oh yeah, because Atlanta would be good too. We just talked about mm-hmm. how that's built for lefties. So I mean, and taking it's, him here one thirty. Yeah, I am one twenty. Okay, I'm still buying. You know, I, I know, I know a lot of it'll only go up if he if he lands in a great spot. And again, look at look at his look at his uh, low pick one ninety six. Like there are times where he's really really dropping. Take advantage of that. I would love that. Um, one guy we haven't talked about, Raphael Devers, going to get his first full season in Boston. Great lineup. Um, you know, the normal caveats of prospect growth isn't mm-hmm. linear, but he really showed out in his first his first go round, including crushing lefties. Small sample or not, it was nice to see him really uh really buckle down and, and, and hit lefties well in his fifty seven plate appearances. Yes, five eighty one Babip is, is certainly helping, but there was power behind it too. Mm-hmm. He did have six extra base hits among the twenty hits, but then a shit ton of singles. Um what do you think of Raphael Devers? Are you big guy you big fan there? I'm a huge fan of the skill set. I don't I don't love the price. I feel like he has to kind of make seventy five percent of of his ceiling in order to to earn what where where he's going right now. Um, I'm I'm hoping that the Eduardo Nunez signing is more about maybe Boston is even more concerned about Dustin Pedroia than they were. Uh, oh, I definitely think it is. So because I would hate to see Pedroia come back in June or July. And endeavors start to lose playing time to a guy like Nunez, and because that's my I, fear. I, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I, I I read it personally as as major concern about Pedroia, which they should have. Yes, because he's a billion, and you know he's a gamer, quote mm-hmm. unquote. You know we, we all love that uh, that 
He's a, he's a fantastic term. mascot. He really is. That's a great way to put it. He is a great mascot. Uh, but, you know, he's going to go out there. He's going to grind out as much as he can. But if he doesn't have it, they can't afford to just mm-hmm. kind of have him out there as an idol. Like, he, he's got to perform. And so if he's not healthy, they're going to put him back on the DL as opposed to letting him just gut it out um, when they have somebody like Nunez who can handle handle the job there. How do you feel about drafting Nunez, by the way? He's got triple eligibility, second, third outfield, good speed. Um, they don't run a ton in Boston, though. He's, I think he's done more of that speed damage with, with your team, by the way, mm-hmm. and uh, Minnesota. But how do you feel about Eduardo Nunez as a draft option? I like him as a player. I don't love it at this spot. 130 is is a really, really rich price for a guy who doesn't have a long track record of even just being a major league everyday player. Yeah, speed is a hell of a drug, though. Um, but he is going to be thirty-one. But there are speed guys later that like that that can do what Nunez does. That's not going to hit ninth in the batting order. Well, that's the, a good point too. Is is the the bottom of the order piece there? Because mm-hmm. if he'd gone to a worse team, he could have been more at the top of the order as as kind of the table setter. But you're just not putting him at the top of this order. There's no way. I think the highest you can get him is go ahead and flip him and Vasquez, or maybe him and um, uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. and put Nunez seventh. But seven is the peak, and that's not that's not that much better. You'd almost so. rather see him go ninth and restart the lineup. Restart the lineup and run a lot more too. Mm-hmm. I think I think at nine you can have a full green light. At seven it might be might be sputtered a little bit, um, if only because guys ahead of you like Devers and Bogarts might be on base mm-hmm. to to stall you out. Not so much that they would put the red light on him uh, himself. So okay, I'm with you there. I, I think the price is a little high. I could see scenarios where I get him. I'm not fully off. I just I like the other guys around here. Same with Devers. It's not that I'm against him, but at one twenty. Uh, I'll wait for the lamb discount at 145. Uh, if if we get it, it's you know average is 125 right now. But if we get it at 145, 150, or I'll just take moose. You know, mm-hmm. uh, ten picks later, I'd rather have that. So, okay, let's jump down. Um, Adrian Beltre's on an island, so we'll give him a, a, a solo talk here. 157. The next one's down to 193. Yes, he's five billion years old, but he's also, uh, uh, I think, a Hall of Famer. Yeah, and, and not not just because of his defense, he's a Hall of Fame hitter, and so I'm not so worried that just because he's old, he's going to stop hitting. He didn't stop hitting last year; he just wasn't healthy. He was still a an amazing hitter, to be honest. Not just good; he was fantastic. 135 OPS plus uh, with a 313, 383, 532 line, 17 homers in 94 games. How do you feel about Adrian Beltre, even though he's 39? I kind of love where he's going. I think the price is... It's an age and health discount, right? It is, but I mean, before last year, he had, what, six straight... There are five straight seasons of 600-plus plate appearances. Like, I mean, he's been really healthy in spite of the fact that he gets this this moniker that he's an injury risk guy because he's older and because he had injury issues early on in his career. He's been, like, as steady as they come, like... A 300 average, 30 home runs in, in 2000 or 32 home runs in, in uh, 2016. Like he he dealt with injury all last year. He's healthy now. There's no reason not to buy that he can't do what he did. At worst, what he did in like 2014 with like 19 home runs, 324 average. So I mean, I'm yeah, I'm 
I'm in. I'm back. I'm in. Like, I, yeah. It's like the totally, uh, like, unsexy pick that everybody hates, and nobody goes, oh, like, why are you doing that? Because it's bankable stats. Yes, and because I'm not trying to win the draft. I've been there. Believe me, I've been the guy who likes to win the draft and get the oohs and ahs. It's great. It's a dopamine rush. And because everybody else below him are really scary. Exactly. So let's jump down to that group. Eugenio Suarez at 194. Evan Longoria at 201. We talked about Ryan Healy already. He's 221. Michael Franco at 230. And then then we'll cut it there. So um, it's either a hurt guy in Healy. A you know solid but unspectacular a Eugenio Suarez, uh, an older guy in Longoria going to a, not a great park. Although it's not it's not as bad on right-handers, especially compared to the Trop. So I'm not going to ding him too much for that. But he is older, and he's just kind of bland anyway. Like his health has actually been pretty good in his late in his 30s compared to where it was in the uh, in in his 20s for Longoria. But he's just so like, yeah, it's fine. You know, I just would rather have him as a CI than than your third baseman, and then a, a guy in Michael Franco who has the hype and the and the pedigree, <laughs> but hasn't done it yet. So, what do you think about this grouping here? Uh, have you heard that Michael Franco is having a really nice spring so far? Have you heard this one before? Wait, Michael Franco raking in spring? I don't believe it, dude. <laughs> I'm gonna have to check the stats because it just that doesn't seem likely. Oh, he's so actually wait. he's actually not raking. He just hit home oh, run. He's not. That's, that's okay. I thought. <laughs> I, I yeah, I'd heard say. he had hit home. He had hit home run when I was on the air uh, 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 on Fantasy uh, Sunday, and I was like, oh, shocking! Oh, he, he had a home run. Here he goes again. He's gonna yeah, have seven more him. and drive up his price again. And exactly, and I hope that doesn't happen because I I, I do still like him. I am actually still buying at this price. I think there is enough discount built in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like a guy that has the power that he can display at times with the contact ability. And you know, I think he does need to be a little bit more selective though, because yes, you're making great contact, but are you picking the right pitches to swing at and hit? And I think your numbers would say no, because you hit 230 last year and 255 the year before. But I still do like Franco. Worst case is if you just get what you got the last couple of years, 240 and 25 in your corner. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to be the reason you win a league, but it's it's also not going to be any sort of reason that you lose a league. But there is still upside. So I like him the best. He's also the cheapest of the group. Um, so we covered him. What do you think about Suarez and Longoria? Kind of opposite ends of the spectrum here. Suarez has had back-to-back good seasons in a really good park. Um, do you, do you b- believe what he's doing, and what do you think about your newcomer out there, Evan Longoria? Man, Suarez is one of those guys that I've n- just never been in on. Like I've just never really kind of given him any credit. Uh, yeah. But the last two seasons have been very, very good. It is a great park. Supposedly, the Reds are attempting Nick Senzel at shortstop, so that way they can continue to play uh, uh, Suarez at third. When when Senzel comes up, um, I think that is a disaster waiting to happen defensively. In terms, he's not of, he's no good defensively. There's no way he's going to be able to have the range of shortstop. <laughs> like this is just it's just a mistake. Um, but I under you know, and so for me, and one of the reasons I'm not buying Senzel. I know we're not there yet, but uh, I, I'm not buying Senzel for this season uh, because of it. Because I. I just don't see that that transition can go well and if even if well, it does it's going to take a while for him to figure it out and i was going to say it'll probably eat up some of some of the production at the plate if only because mentally he's just going to be you know kind of focused on trying to 
transition into the most difficult position on the diamond outside yeah. of catcher. So in terms of Suarez, I think it's like the price is nice. Like you know, I do. I think there is a, maybe a little bit of a floor that uh, could be bad. Like you know, he, he could definitely give back some of the power gains we saw last year, give back mm-hmm. the average gains we saw last year. But even there, I like we're talking like 190 something like that's that's pretty nice price yeah like 194 and if 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 he isn't great and goes 250 18 and and six is you're like eh, that offense is not bad like that's the thing they were a top 10 offense last year and uh i don't see any reason why they won't be solid again this year they they didn't lose anybody key right i mean jay bruce was on the team no they're just adding a bunch of these rookies that they're going to try to do these weird platoons with yes. um which like to me i like don't get me wrong i know you want to give a shot to your younger guys but jesse winker and and philip irvin are not good players they're just not well i like winker's bat but irvin is a is a nothing and then frankly i don't think winker should be pushing out duvall i think well, and that's what i mean in terms of like like why why are you going to platoon you know these two bats that you developed in, in, in Shebler and Duvall and have shown to be something at the major league level, hit, have hit 30 home runs at the major league level, and now you're going to take away playing time from them? Like, yeah, that, that Is Mike that Matheny running the Reds too? <laughs> he just runs the whole division, man. <laughs> Chris Bryant batting eighth coming to a, to a lineup near you. Uh, no, so I agree with your thoughts on, on Suarez there. He just, he's just not going to hurt you at 193. Uh, in that pick range, you're fine if you take him there. But uh, what about Longoria? Like I said, kind of turned into a solid, if unspectacular sort of guy. But he has been playing more, which I like. And I, I like the person. So sometimes that influences me. Where I'm like, oh, I want to get Longoria on my team, even though I'm like, eh, the numbers are whatever. He did spike 36 yaks in, in 2016. But it's probably unlikely to be the right spot for him to to do that again out in San Fran. Even again, accounting for the fact that uh, AT and T isn't as hard on righties as it is on lefties. All right, I'm going to ask. I'm, I'm going to answer your question with a little bit of a question uh, myself. Okay. Um, what is your favorite podcast that I'm not on, mm-hmm. or fantasy baseball podcast that I'm not on? Am I supposed to know the answer? You, to this? I, I figured it would be like a pretty. All right, I'll tell you mine. Baseball Holics Anonymous. Oh yeah, 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 uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Sammy, I, Reed. I wasn't sure if you needed a certain answer. If I could no, just no. answer freely, yes, yeah, yeah. I love, I love them. Sammy Reed a couple episodes ago did a fantastic extract and breakdown of a hitch that is in uh, in Longoria's swing. I remember that, yes, but I am actually. I'm looking right now. I'm behind on their latest one. Ooh, he talks about Gregory Polanco. Yeah, oh, it's great. Great episode. It's just they do great work over there. We, no, we, they're amazing. We, we oh, both Charlotte love. Movies. Yeah, Charlotte loves that yeah. show. We both love Doug and Sammy. Um, uh, so I, I would implore you to go back and find that episode where he really breaks down because I can't do it justice. But the bottom line is, there there's some mechanical issues right now and have been for for a little while in Longoria's swing. I'm hoping the change of scenery. Maybe a new coaching staff, new hitting staff in San Francisco can identify it uh, the way Sammy did um, and work with Longoria on it. But until I see that happen, I have a hard time buying him. The hard part is the price is so cheap. It's just so cheap. It's 
like again, there was there was a period there at twenty five, twenty six where it's like, oh, Longoria is an injury guy. Which, by the way, as I'm looking at it now, e- even before the hindsight of of now five straight super healthy years, might have been unfair because it was one fifty seven, one fifty one, one thirty three, seventy four, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he's this major injury risk, mm-hmm. and it's like, okay, I mean, he had one really bad health year, twenty twelve. You know where I want Longoria? Where NL only. Oh, for sure, for sure. Like he's he's my third baseman, and yeah, it just he compiles. Like and 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 there's still the upside for him to do much more than that. So, you know, 15 team mix NL only. I don't want him in a shallower format. Um, but yeah, NL only. Like if I was an NL tout this year or NL labor, he would be a a major target for me. Plays great defense. Um, is really going to help the pitching staff uh, there. Uh, a lot on the hot corner, um, but he's going to show up every game. I mean, yes, 160 games, but uh, at least in from 2013 to 2016, 156 games last year. I mean, Iron Man for for a guy like you said that somehow got a moniker of this is an injury risk guy. And back in um, back in 16 when he ha- popped those 36 homers, he had hit 19 of them on the road. Well, then last year he hit just 10. He actually had a pretty tough road spell. Well, now he's going to a division where the road can be pretty friendly with two great ballparks. And I know Humidor, but it's still mm-hmm. it's still good. It's still a good place to – And, and he's right-handed. So the, yes. the, the effects of AT&T Park won't be as drastic as I think some people will think they will be. Exactly, and San Diego is no longer super difficult to hit in. Um, Dodger Stadium is like kind of neutral, but it's also tough pitching. But it's also a lot of left-handed pitching, mm-hmm. and he's a right-hander. So a lot of factors add up nicely there to where uh, maybe he doesn't get all the way back up to thirty-six, but twenty-seven, you know, and he goes twenty-seven and ninety with a two-seventy, and mm-hmm. like you said, that volume, volume, volume. So we like Longoria in these fifteen-team formats like this. And then, of course, NL only. I fully agree with you there. All right. Um, Josh Harrison, 267. Young Garvis, Salarte, 270. Todd Frazier, 280. On the button, by the way. It's uh, the first guy all day that's had an on the button because it's all <laughs> these uh, two decimals for those that, that, that don't see this page. And he's just 280.00. Uh, Matt Chapman, 284. And then uh, I'll loop in Asdrubal Cabrera and Jose Reyes because we're probably going to say we don't care about either. But uh, 315. Yeah. And 334, respectively. They're so whatever. Especially mm-hmm. compared to the, the rest of this group, by the way. I like the rest well, of this group. Especially with the, all the additions, too. I mean, like, yes. adding Todd Frazier destroyed their value. I mean, like, now you've got a ton of moving especially, pieces. Right. Especially Reyes, because Ahmed Rosario mm-hmm. is going to get the full shot at, at, at short. Cabrera goes to second because he's been a solid You still uh, have Omar Flores, so each guy gets 300 plate appearances. Yay. Yay. So we're passing on both of them. We're chopping them off right right away. What about the Harrison, Solarte, Frazier, Chapman group? Uh, I kind of like this group. I mean, this this is this is where you get to, if for some reason you missed out on third base early on, I kind of try to wait for this group uh, and know that there's an obvious either batting average risk or um, some there's some sort of huge hole in, in each one of these uh, players' games. But uh, they can all be very effective. Love Matt Chapman. Uh, mentioned earlier, I think he's got a gold glove caliber uh, glove. I think he will be an everyday player, even when he struggles. 
Uh, Todd Frazier, obviously there is average risk there, but they signed him to that deal with the intent of giving him every day at bats uh, in New York with the Mets. So the power will be there. The average is going to suck, but he's going to play every day. Um, Unfortunately, uh, he's not going to run again either, no. though, for Frazier, which is, uh, because he was running for a while. And uh, he was a nice little speed component with the power, and it made up for the for the slagging batting average. But the Mets do not run. Now, Mickey Callaway might be different, but they also don't have a team that's built to run. So I'm not sure that there's any there's a case to be made without seeing it. Maybe he gets in Callaway's ear and says, hey, man. I was a pretty good base dealer for three years. I, I, you know, I, I, I could hold my own on the bases. Can I please run? And maybe they let him, but uh, I don't know. You know. Actually, no, he wasn't that great. He was 70%. So he was just below the break-even point um, for, for stealing yeah. bases, Todd Frazier was. And he was four for seven last year, which was really bad. So that would be nice, though. If he could just get back up into like the 12 to 15 range, it would make up for that batting average piece. Yeah, I don't think he's ever getting back there, though. I mean, I think no, I, I, I don't, I don't six think you to can seven. Bet on it. Um, yeah, but like, I mean, there's no price attached, you know, and exactly. the average love- with him has always been kind of fluky and bouncing around. Again, one of the reasons, uh, you know, one of those guys that you know highlight why I punt batting average. Well, yeah, that's why you love him. Okay, yeah, because you know, you're so- hoping he can hit the you. You want to spike the two sixty year with thirty five homers. Exactly. So. Um, you know, I prefer Chapman. Like, like I mentioned, I just think that the defense is going to keep him playing, and the power potential is just massive. Uh, like Josh Harrison, because he plays all over. Plays all over. I'm um, going to bat at the top of the lineup, which we've talked earlier is not not a terrible lineup, not elite, but nope. but solid. Um, can add too. He's second and third right now, but can add like outfield. Could also mm-hmm. add short in a pinch. It, you know, you could per, you could see a situation where Mort Mercer goes down for a little while or something. They throw him there, get him his requisite five to ten games, which usually gives you in season eligibility depending on your league type. And then all of a sudden, you got a guy who can literally play everywhere. My only bottom, fear with him is he gets moved mid season to a team to become a super utility guy, and he doesn't play every day. And that would be a bummer. That would be a bummer. Now, if it's super utility, usually they do still play every like the Ben Zobris type. Mm-hmm. But if it is a contending team where he really just only has to play four to five days a week, that would suck. Like I was really stoked that he could get moved to the Yankees before the Yankees made the move for Drury. Mm-hmm. But now it's he, like he would have been a great fit for them. Yeah, like he would have been great as the Drury there. Um, but like with Drury, with the prospects that'll be coming up, with the Yankees probably willing to make another move midseason or sign Mike Moustakis, like that becomes you know less of an attractive spot. You know there'll be an injury somewhere. There'll be like a you know injury to I don't know the, the random player you know on a good team that you know sparks Pittsburgh being able to sell him, but he will not be in Pittsburgh the entire season. Okay, so but we do like Josh Harrison. We like Chapman. We like Frazier. Did you say anything about? Okay, we're gonna peel the curtain back. I had to go run and get a drink real quick. Uh, <laughs> I was covering for you. You were good. I know. I, I know. You did a great job, <laughs> but I, I I didn't want to bring him up as if you hadn't talked about him. Then I would look like a dipshit. You know, yeah, I, no, I I didn't talk about him. I'm not a Solarte guy. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not either. Like I used to be back in in. Kind of when he was really getting going with the Yankees and then San Diego, but then he's just kind of fallen on, into like super blandness. The the flexibility I like, but that's it. And 
255 last year was was disappointing. I'd feel better about it if they didn't have another guy that can do exactly what he can do on that bench and in Aledmiz Diaz, you know, play all over the infield. That's so. that's completely fair. 258 Babbitt it does suggest that maybe there was some bad luck there mm-hmm. uh, driving down that batting average. And if he can get that back up, like we have a share, we got him in, in mixed labor and I don't hate it, uh, but I'm not going to stock up on, mm-hmm. on yeah, there will start. be opportunities for him because I mean, Troy Tulowitzki is Troy Tulowitzki. Devin Travis is Devin Travis. So they're, they're super healthy. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Those they'll, guys, there'll they'll be plenty of chances for him to get in the lineup. I just don't know that he has a super attractive profile. Not like a not like the other guys in this tier. AL only because of triple triple eligibility. Yes, that I'm that helps. Mm-hmm. All right, next group here: Heimer Candelario, three thirty eight; Nick Senzel, three forty seven; Jed Jerkstore, three fifty eight. The aforementioned Wilmer Flores, God, we can't stop talking about him. Three sixty three; JP Crawford, three sixty nine. Nice, and Corey Spangenberg, three ninety. Uh, I like Benberg a lot more before the Hosmer deal. That's a, that, uh, he, and the Chase Headley deal, but it 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 pushes it pushes Will Myers, time away from him. Yeah, it pushes Will Myers into the outfield, which takes away a spot where he now he only has to beat out Chase Headley. True, but like I, but Headley, why did is they a great s- defender and yeah. a, a solid if unspectacular bat? No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean that's you know they they obviously wanted Headley to be kind of a mentor type guy for this young team, and that's sure. why they went out and 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 traded for him. Like they didn't do it just to do it. Like there was there was some sort of rationale, even if I can't figure it out. <laughs> so why? Well, especially if you're going to get Hosmer because he can fill that role. Like mm-hmm. I get it if it's just Headley there because again I don't I know Will Myers is a veteran, but not every veteran is a, is a team leader type, and that's fine. Like it's not everybody's personality, so I'm not trying to shade uh, Will when I say that. And by the way, I could be wrong. I'm I'm giving my perception of him. I'm actually not in the clubhouse, believe it or not. And we know nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know anything. I'm guessing. But I do know that Hosmer is widely perceived as that type of guy, as is Headley. So they got two of them, which is fine. But, uh, yeah, I liked Spangenberg before that as well. Now he has to be kind of the super utility. I will say this, though. I'm not that sold on Jose Perella. So I'm I not either, no. To push Perella out, and then he gets the playing time, at least on the strong side of the platoon, if not just completely overtakes him. And he's a nice little speed option mm-hmm. uh, with a little punch in his bat, too. Spangenberg's one of those, what is it, like uh, maybe like a 15-15 sort of guy? I think he's got more speed than that if he was ever to get uh, full-time play appearances. Like I think okay. he could legitimately be like a 15-20, 15-25 guy like uh, uh, because his speed is actually greater than it's shown on the base paths. He just has never gotten the role. I think he needs a change of scenery. That, that could be helpful because they they seem to have blocked him off mm-hmm. a little bit. So I mean, I'll have I'll have shares because the price is so low. Uh, the only other guy I really like from this tier is, is uh, Jericho um, because the jerk store. He just seems to be a favorite of Mike Matheny's, um, and they're going to figure out a way to get him in the lineup. Multi-positionally uh, eligible, usually he's, he's coming in with only close. third. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean... He's going to be their closer this year. It's going to be crazy. <laughs> yeah, like, they're going to figure out ways to get him in the lineup, especially with his uh, ability to play a lot of different positions, Colton Wong's mm-hmm. ability to play different positions, Matt Carpenter's ability to play different positions. He's he You, he, you have to use him in a daily moves league. He, well, is, it, he is too frustrating to use in a weekly lineup league. If you have Jed Jerko in, a, in a, like, a five-game in-season eligibility, he only comes in with third base, but like you said, he's going to add. Last year, he had the, uh, the, the second, third, and short, which mm-hmm. was great. And I definitely, you know, we talked about Carpenter's health. Uh, they, they're not loaded with guys that are rock-solid, never-coming-out-of-the-lineup sort of guys, never have to worry about their performance either sort of guys in their infield with Colton Wong, with Jose Martinez, with Matt Carpenter, uh, and Paul DeYoung. That, that was the one I couldn't mm-hmm. think of. So he's going to get his playing time, Jerk Store is. So he's a nice guy to scoop, doesn't have the position eligibility yet, will gain it, and he's super cheap. So I do like him. I like Heimer Candelario because the, the playing time is so guaranteed. The t- Tigers are rebuilding. He was like one of their uh, little prospect pieces that they got on the Justin Wilson, Alex Avila deal. He's not a stud, but he's 24 years old, and he's just going to play. He's a compiler. Yep, he's going to be a compiling situation. Corner infield and AL only, bench bad in in mixed leagues. I'm I'm cool with it. AL only is the place. Yeah, yeah, like I said, he's going to play every day. He's, you know, probably... 14, 15 home runs yeah. to 60 average, but um, he's going to be in there every day. You're, the the, the at-bats are currency in those leagues, and that's where he's going to make his money. Bingo. Totally agree. Uh, you mentioned Nick Senzel earlier. You can talk a little bit more about him if you'd like, but I also want to bring up prospect J.P. Crawford, who is a shortstop prospect but has third base eligibility coming into the season, will add shortstop. Was a highly touted prospect. Has definitely gotten the 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 fantasy treatment of you have not turned into a superstar instantly. So now you're now the worst player mm-hmm. ever. Um, do you agree that he's the worst player ever? What what are your thoughts on JP Crawford? And then again, you can add some thoughts to Senzel if you didn't get them all in earlier. When you and Joe uh, Pizapia, uh, who we had on last episode, definitely go check it out if you haven't listened yet. Um, we're talking about the MLB draft. Uh, and like them comping these young kids who some are 17, 18, 19 years old <laughs> and they're to Hall of Famers. Yeah. Yes. Uh, you know, because that's what happened with J.P. Crawford. Everybody's like, oh my God, this kid is going to be, you know, the really, really fast future all star shortstop. And everybody bought in from a fantasy sense. And he's just, he, his, the like value to his name is still there for some reason, not like it used to be, but like he's never shown it. Like he's never shown like the ability to steal for thirty bases in the minor leagues. Um, like he isn't a special player. He's going to be, um, you know, he he's Dansby Swanson. He's he's going to be a really nice everyday major league player, and he's never going to contribute in fantasy. How dare you call him Dansby Swanson? I think that I think that calling anybody Dansby Swanson is a hate crime in 11 (laughs) different states. So I don't know if California is one, but Texas is. And since you're talking to somebody in Texas, Mm. it could qualify. Interstate laws about about the internet. Uh, (laughs) Jokes aside, by the way, um, I wasn't in on the Swanson hype last year, but now he's like literally free. So, you know, 
if you yeah, did want to take a shot no, in like and only I agree. I agree. I don't think it's I Every, think everybody it's got mad at me last year because I in my bold predictions I said he wouldn't be a top twenty five shortstop. Um, Dude, that's a good that you crushed that because there was there was hype. It's easy to say now, like, well, yeah, of course, like that happens all the time. Like when go back when and look get, at the old ranks for for rotographs, and exactly. I mean, there were people putting him in the top twelve at shortstop. I'm gonna vomit. Please don't say that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we need to shut down the blog. We're out of business. Okay, great. That's <laughs> the end of this podcast. We had somebody who was that. I'm going uh, I'm I'm pulling up the positional ranks from last year because we still have them on there. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah, yeah. We still have the short Swanson, uh, he, we had him Please overall as a site at uh, at 19. Two God. people had him in the top 13. That was Brad and Mike Podorzer. They're fired. Mm-hmm. You had him at 22. I had him at 35. You and I were the lowest because mm-hmm. he's garbage. Well, it, it's, you know... Sometimes we look, you know, this is the whole thing. Like, uh, there's an old saying, and I don't know who came up with it, but I use it all the time. Like, it's my own. Prospects are suspect till proven otherwise. And I know, like, I know, like, a lot of people love the next big thing. And we're living in an age of fantasy, especially, and then regular baseball, where these guys are coming up and making a huge impact early on in their career. Yes. But just because a guy is at the top of a prospect list does not make him a good fantasy asset. And we still fall for these guys all the time. Um, uh, Luis Urias uh, is another guy who I think people are really, really hyped on. I don't think he's going to ever be a fantastic fantasy asset. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a really nice real life player. He's not going to be a great fantasy asset. And like there, there's, you know, there's a, (laughs) and uh, there's going to be a lot of people who get mad at me for this one, but this is exactly what I said about Dansby Swanson last year. Everybody got mad at me and I'm going to stick. The difference is that, Luis Rice is a good baseball player, and Dansby Swanson is Dansby Swanson. But no, Dansby Swanson just, will be a really good baseball player in his career. He's going to go to all-star games. He's going to be very good defensively. He's going to be a team leader. All these things are true that doesn't, make, that doesn't pay you in fantasy. No, you're right. There, there is that disconnect still between real life and fantasy, and that's why we we sometimes say he's a better real life player. I think Urias. Uh, um, I don't know, man. He cut a real Jose Ramirez image for me at the uh, uh, at the Fall Stars. Mm-hmm. Um, now, now, and- when you say that, it, that's pre the power breakout because he does not have the power breakout. I think in his skill set. I don't know if we knew that Jose Ramirez did. Mm. Okay, here's my comp for him. Roberto Alomar. Who? Actually, no, give me a better second. I was just trying to do the uh, Harold Reynolds thing and say a, a Hall of Fame second baseman. I do not think he's going to be. <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing this on I the air. Call for it. No, 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 no. I'm a thousand percent kidding on that. I did really like him though, and I did, again, get, get kind of a Jose Ramirez vibe. I don't know if the power is going to be there. It's not in his profile right now for sure mm-hmm. with your eyes. I will thousand percent agree to that, but I don't. I don't know enough about prospect Jose Ramirez to know if the power was in his profile at the time either. And we're living, like, don't get me wrong, like, I don't want to take anything away from the Eric Loggenhagens of the world, um, you know, the guys who are straight prospect gurus and mavens, um, you know, they, you know, uh, John Sickles, I love John Sickles' work over at Minor League Ball, I love Eric Loggenhagens' work uh, for, for us at Fangraphs. Um, there are a lot of guys in the industry now doing this from a fantasy lens. 
and I implore you to take yes. looks, compare those lists. You know, go by the way, go see the Matt Thompsons of the world, the James Andersons of the world, the Ralph Lifshitz of the world, uh, and read what they do from a prospect uh, view because there there's huge differences between those lists and like the Baseball America lists. Oh yeah, yeah, because James has the fantasy focus and. Logging mm-hmm. in has to has to include defense and mm-hmm. and and stuff like that to do to do the real major the real life player sort of thing. Um, go you look at Jose Ramirez minor league. He never hit more than five homers. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you that that I'm, I'm that's for a different discussion though because he doesn't even play third base. I don't know how he got on. You had to you had to shade my boy. I went on a rant and I do that every once in a while. You did and that's all right. I like it. Okay. Uh, uh, we're at that point now where we're just going to list a bunch and you pick one that you like. Aaron Perez, three ninety nine. Chase Headley, four fourteen. Miguel Andujar, four fifteen. Brandon Phillips, four twenty six. Logan Forsythe, four thirty one. Eduardo Escobar, four thirty eight. I probably don't need to keep going. Johan Camargo, four forty five. Matt Duffy, I will say, four fifty one. Um, because with health, he's going to play pretty much every day so i think he's actually pretty decent and then i'll throw in one other uh derek dietrich 485 apparently there's talk that he could lead off in miami so again (laughs) not special but the fact that he could lead off for a team and he's that pick that's insane any of those guys strike your fancy at all uh a couple of them uh do i really like logan forsyth i the playing time it could be weird but like I'm angry I, with him after last year. I I, I want to say like there the, there were some really fluky things that happened to Forsyth last year. If he does, the hard part right now is there's just there seems to be a log jam in the infield, especially like I mentioned Barnes with not Barnes, being able yes. to catch because of the elbow. Like that could really put a cramp on the chances of Forsyth rebounding. But the the skills are still there, and I I want to bank that he can turn back into the player he was in Tampa Bay, especially in that lineup. You know, uh, with the Dodgers, if he could ever hit at the top of it, get full time plate appearances. I think he could be a monster, and you're getting him outside the top 400. Doubled his walk rate, although I wonder if some of that was, like, passivity. Like, I can't hit, so I'm just going to take everything. He had a 16% O swing, which is outside of the zone, mm-hmm. a.k.a. chase rate. That's crazy. That, that, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been to that well. I've, I've bought in when he was a Ray. Uh, I've, seen, I've seen the light with, uh, with Forsyth before I, was, I had him had ample shares in 15 and 16 his two good years and bought in last year and and, and took it on the chin but he can't hurt you now you know mm-hmm. 431 is just not going to hurt you so if you want to throw him as a reserve i get it i get it i mean like uh, he didn't do that much the things that much different it just things just went bad for him i mean the fly ball rate right in line where it was the year before the the ground ball rate right in line with where it was before the hard contact the soft contact right in line where it was before the one the one difference i'm seeing is maybe he wasn't getting around on stuff well Mm -hmm. enough because his his up the middle was 43 or maybe it was a concerted effort to try to go up the middle but he went 43 percent center and only 30 percent pull compared to 39 percent pull and 33 percent center back in 16 so that explains, or not fully explains, but at least uh, suggests why the power outage was there. It feels and, it feels like he started off slow and really, really struggled. And remember how, just how awful he was at the beginning of the season. Yes. And then he just 
started messing. Okay, maybe I need to go the other way. Maybe I need to do this. And instead of just trusting the process that he would, he would just get out of it eventually. Um, and you know, and she's kind of maybe he was in his head. Like these are people too. If, if, yeah, if you showed absolutely. up to work every day and sucked in front of you know, you know, ten million people on a day, fans, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and know? then it's not easy. And yeah. yeah, so he probably did do some tweaks, and it, nothing was really going. He had a little bit of a summer surge in July and August, kind of got back on track a little bit, and then fell off again in September. So uh, let's see, wipes the slate clean. Should have at least a uh, beeline on some playing time, if not a lot of the second base, depending on that elbow injury for Barnes. Um, but again, the bottom line is price just can't hurt you. You can take a shot, and it's, it's pretty easy here. Uh, Matt Duffy's been dealing with injuries now for a little while. But again, if he's healthy, he's going to be playing and batting like top three in the Tampa Bay lineup. And so the fact that he's this cheap, I think that's, that, that's, that's pretty damn cheap. It's like, cheap, not but they also added... Uh, they also added like a bunch of different other guys that can do different things in the infield. There, they uh, do like to have many infield they, types. I mean, they added Ryan Schimpf. Um, I'm, I'm blanking on have, on the prospect. They have Joe Wendell. They have Willie Adamas, mm-hmm. who's a prospect who could come up and has said he'll move. He'll go to second or third if it gets him on the team. They, um, they, they, they added the oh Christian yeah. Arroyo. They added Christian Arroyo. Oh, yeah, 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 too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. Like there's a lot of ways. The hell is the oh wow, roster resource doesn't even have him on the roster. Uh, be on the he may start in the minors. He probably okay. has another another option left. So oh, okay. yeah, so they'll 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 finagle uh, it a couple weeks. You know, but I mean, like there's a lot of guys who could eat in the playing time if he struggles. And I, I there have been reports that he's just struggling to play short at all, um, uh, okay. defensively. So. Uh, I think there, I think there's some upside, but like we could never hear from Matt Duffy again, too, and it wouldn't surprise me. The couple AL only guys who are just they're not mixed league propositions. Mm-hmm. They're fi- the only reason they have ADPs is because of fifty round draft and hold. Mm-hmm. Hunter D- Hunter Dozier and Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz. Yandy Diaz, if he can elevate the ball could be like a major breakout and could be a mixed league viable guy. But right now I think you can only really draft him in AL only or 50 round draft. If you're playing uh, in a uh, fantasy arm wrestling competition with baseball players, uh, Yandy Diaz, I mean, he is, he's a monster physically. And for, if for some reason Kipnis breaks down again and they decide instead of going outside the organization that they're going to move Ramirez to second. way. He's so healthy all the time. <laughs> so, like, in your 50-round draft and holds, Yandy Diaz is a guy I want. Yes, me too. And, uh, yeah, because if Kipnis gets hurt, Ramirez goes back mm-hmm. to second, Diaz gets to play third. Eno's talked him up. Um, you got, I don't know if you guys remember that guy, Eno Saris, used to be on this podcast. Never heard of him. Don't know what happened to him. Never heard of him. Who? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he used to talk him up, like him. Hunter Dozier has some power, was a, was a prospect of note mm-hmm. ages ago. That team in KC is such trash. He's going to get a shot to see if he can do anything. So, uh, all right, that's going to wrap it up. Uh, we went three hours. They're going to love it. I think they're <laughs> going to love it. Uh, they, they. I think we had an hour long episode and we got yelled at. We got absolutely yelled at for not going. Yeah, yeah, no, so, it's 
Yeah, you know, clowns. I mean, friends. <laughs> Just kidding, Just kidding. Love y'all. Uh, no. So next time out, we're gonna do middle, and it'll probably be another three-hour episode. Let's just be real about it, and then uh, we'll wrap up. We'll, we'll we'll weirdly pair catchers and relief pitchers, since that'll be the last two that we have. And catchers will take five minutes. Mm-hmm. Either draft one of the top guys, wait till the middle, or just hang yourself because the back end of catcher is so bad. It's really gross. Justin, well done. I will uh, I will talk to you next week. Definitely. Peace.